This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And I guess we have to apologize to everybody because we have been putting down my best friend's boyfriend for a long time now. I mean, because we had the spring fever business as well. We, I think we were saying that after Jessica against, even back then we were saying yeah. after Jessica against Bruce, there was like a, a few duds. <laughs> so we have we have been very hard on this book for it quite was, some time. Yes, it was pure slander really on our part. Uh, we were we were literally judging the book by its cover. You know what? That's <gasps> what <it was. laughs> Oh my god, we You'd, were. And you would think we would know better, but here we are. Oh my god. So I I mean, seriously, anything can happen in this podcast. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. We've been pleasantly surprised before. And having, you know, accused my best friend's boyfriend of being multiple times of being a uh come down after mm. the, the run of solid gold bangers we have to admit we've had in the main uh the main book line mm-hmm. for a while uh have to say we're completely wrong because this was great <laughs> once again we were wrong what a shocker <laughs> well we'll dive right in with taglines and blurbs can you give us the cover tagline please it certainly can will the real Ginny please stand up oh well she does at the end <laughs> eventually it takes a while but uh it's actually quite a fun journey mm. and uh the back cover line is Secret identity. Ooh. <laughs> uh, whose secret identity is, are we talking about here? Does I everyone have a secret know. identity? I mean, kind of. Two of them, I guess, do. Or it's more like swapped identities. Yeah, anyway. exactly. And then everybody on the Project Youth hotline, I guess, is mm, not that is true. secret. I think of their real names, which I think is against most rules for such Probably. things. <laughs> Can you give us the full blurb? Okay, let's do this thing. Denise Hadley is poised, elegant and beautiful. Her best friend, Ginny Belaska, isn't any of these things. So harsh. (laughs) (laughs) And she's always comparing herself to Denise. So when Ginny decides to do volunteer work for a teen phone hotline, ooh, what could it be? (laughs) Denise hopes it will give Ginny some self-confidence. It looks as if she's right when Ginny helps a guy named Mike who says he wants to meet her in person. (gasps) (gasps) again very much against whatever kind of rules you've got going on with these things I would imagine (laughs) Uh, but now Ginny's terrified that her looks won't meet Mike's expectations in desperation she asks Denise to meet Mike in her place Denise (gasps) agrees and falls for Mike 
Can Denise and Ginny's friendship survive a battle for the boy they both love? <gasps> I mean, this implies that the core of the book is some terrible, you know, strife between them, which it actually isn't. Mm, it's not quite as, yeah, like as, well, not, not that it's not dramatic, but uh, yeah, it's not as serious as all that, where they're both like head over heels and it's all life or death yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that makes it sound more like the one with Sandy Bacon and mm. uh, Gene West, where they really were, you know, st- uh, playing games and, uh, you know, <laughs> about some, some boy, one of them. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Scott Trost. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That was much more uh, involved, I feel like. This is a much lighter, you know, it's a little Cyrano de Bergerac. You got to love that. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. And, and it really is fun. Uh, it's mm. a lot more fun than the blur makes it sound. Uh, <laughs> and the cover is quite something too. Can you describe it, please? Yes. Again, love it when we've got three people on the cover. It's always a good time. Uh, so, and again, this is the thing. It's funny because it's, uh, yeah, Ginny and Denise are our kind of two main girls. Mm-hmm. And like, from that description on the back straight away, I was like, okay, I know which is which because <laughs> we've got our girl <laughs> on the left. I was like, she is gorgeous. Like she's got that beautiful kind of early 90s swept kind of Kelly Kapowski hair. Looks oh. great. Gorgeous little face. Pink silk shirt. You know, you can't go wrong. Uh, <laughs> then on the other <laughs> side, there's this redhead with a little kind of wispy fringe. But, you know, you can't blame her. Early 90s. This is uh-huh. <laughs> this is what happened. Uh, and she's wearing a very nice green jumper. And I was like, yeah, I definitely know who's Denise and who's Ginny here. I have got this worked out. <laughs> and I was completely wrong because beautiful, amazing, elegant, poised Denise is actually the redhead. And uh-huh. the... And like, without being a dick about it, the much better looking girl on the cover (laughs) is Ginny, who we're supposed to believe is kind of plain and not that pretty and, you know, very understated and all the rest. But like, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, I I definitely had this the other way around. I did. I did too. Because yeah, in the book, Ginny compares herself at one stage to a paper bag. Oh. uh, (laughs) I'd say Mike is, looks way less appealing on the cover than he actually is in the book. That, yeah, he's a much, he's he's very sound and he's very handsome apparently as well in the book. But yeah, this cover is not quite <laughs> reflecting that. I mean, you know, I don't want to be lousy, but <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like the one in the 90s boy band who's secretly 30, you know, it's that kind of, <laughs> he's like, yeah, that it's the early 90s hair. It's not quite curtains, but you know, if it was a little bit longer. I think that's where he'd be. Um, Yeah, he's wearing a blue shirt. It's not a very exciting looking guy, uh, but it doesn't really do him justice in fairness. This is true. Well, uh, yeah, so I guess maybe this cover is is another reason we weren't expecting, <laughs> expecting uh, much excitement from this book. But uh, there's plenty of it. And it begins in the cafeteria where uh, I guess we kick off one of the um, the, the plots of this book. Because this is a very oracle-heavy book, mm. uh, including an appearance, <laughs> quite an extended appearance from a certain character. We'll remain nameless for now, but <laughs> who initially very much disappointed us, but it yes. comes good. It, oh, yeah, you have to stick with it because it will come around. But yes, but you know, again, always fun to see him getting involved because it's been a while. It has been a while. And uh, yeah, Penny is handing Liz some pages to prove for the Oracle. Um, there, She needs them done straight away, even though it's lunchtime. Frankly, she needs them done by like the end of lunch, which is uh, what, you know, what sort of, you know, schedule the Oracle is <laughs> running through. But, um, Kind of shows running here, Penny. Jesus. Oh, as we will find an extremely principled run. But uh, anyway, Liz is happy to oblige and gets set uh, stuck into the the page proof straight away. Jessica arrives and um, 
we get a twin comparison. Very, uh, you know, it's 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 like on page two, which is quite quick. I think. Oh, it's it's real early on. We are we are getting to the good stuff quick. Uh, mm. Although I did enjoy uh, the way they described Jessica. I feel like this was mixing it up oh. slightly. Just the way it was phrased, I just loved I it. I know exactly uh, what you're going to say. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so their description for Jessica is, uh, oh yeah, because she makes a, a comment about how Jessica has to consider her reputation and she's sitting here beside Liz who's doing all this kind of work on the Oracle at lunchtime. How boring of her. Uh, so Liz grins uh, because Jessica's reputation was based on a firm foundation of stylish clothes, cheerleading and gossip all held together with nail polish. Oh, <laughs> quite the image. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, so after the very lengthy twin comparison, uh, we're joined. They're joined by Lila and Amy, and Jessica asks Amy, "Has she got any good calls on the hotline?" Um, and uh, we're reminded how surprising it is that Amy is good at this phone <laughs> counselling job. But I like the fact that uh, although it says that Amy, you know, can't uh, discuss um, specific calls, she did, however, like to talk about the fact that she worked yeah. at the hotline. And we're told that she uh, she explains some of the rules a bit pompously, which feels a very in character. That's it. Like if they're going to try and if they're going to like hit us over the head so much with Amy being such a reformed character now that she's working at this place, at least there's still a little bit of the old Amy in there that she's making such a big deal about it and never yes. showing up about it. Because at least that much is like okay, that does actually check out for sure with this girl. It does. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get a little reminder of the existence of Project Youth, including what I believe is the new information was that it had been uh, founded at the community centre with money contributed by private sources, including the Morrows in memory of Regina. Yeah, that feels new to me too. I don't recall that from before. Well, Denise Hadley, who suddenly is all over the place, she turned (laughs) up throughout the last book, despite the fact she's a senior, so why is she hanging out with these people? Um, She reveals that she's been trying to get her friend Ginny to volunteer for the hotline because she's uh, such a great listener. Um, But she has no confidence in herself. And then we get a very long info dump about the Denise-Ginny relationship. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hilarious because, again, like we only know Denise really from the last book because they were just kind of like throwing her into the group scenes. Um, but yeah, apparently the fact that Denise and Ginny are friends is a surprise uh, to some people because <laughs> Denise is so outgoing uh, and knockout beautiful uh, and Ginny is shy and self-effacing, seemed to dress with the hope that she would be invisible. And like, I love that it's like Elizabeth had once thought that Denise liked to hang around with Ginny because the contrast between them made Denise even more strikingly attractive. Like... Oh. What? Who thinks like that? <laughs> like, how is that? What you would, Liz? What? Explain yourself. I don't. <laughs> I simply don't understand that you would look at two people who are friends and be like, mm, "She's clearly just hanging out with her, so that she'll be the hot one." It's like, dude, I, what? <laughs> I think we can only just assume that that is the sort of general standard of uh, sweet valley behavior, <laughs> and uh, her expectations of others are extremely low because. So low. There's literally nothing in their friendship and relationship that suggests this. No. And um, she even admits that, you know, she's realised that they are true pals. Mm. And um, Amy tells, uh, says to to tell Ginny, yeah, that they're really looking, they really need new volunteers. And they'll give training. Yeah, I mean, we hear more about this training. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, let's just say that our uh, our listeners who who work with with troubled teens and in <clears throat> in kind of social services like this will will be even more horrified than usual at this carry on. <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, uh, Jessica then hilariously says, don't worry, if absolutely necessary, Liz will step in and help out. Just blow the trumpet of gel. Elizabeth Wakefield to the rescue. <laughs> I bet that's how she rolls, actually. Definitely. There's a bad signal for Liz. <laughs> well, Denise says she'll keep working on Ginny and uh, we then cut to the mall uh, where Denise and Ginny are on a shopping trip and they actually have kind of a nice friend banter vibe going on like there's shades of uh of kathy our erstwhile pal from the oh from yes many books ago yeah that was kathy and shelly were the kind of yeah. fun little double act yeah that's it and it is it does feel quite i don't know relatable or real or something yeah the yes. way that they kind of chat with each other and actually i did wonder have we a new ghostwriter in the mix because it <gasps> did seem like kind of like unusually natural banter. I thought the same. Even when Todd and Liz get going, it's not as sickening as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone's just chilled out a little bit and it's nice. So they're, they're immediately quite likable. And Mm. um, Denise is uh, getting a bit tired of her boyfriend, Jay, who's on the basketball team. um, Because probably he's, he's, like it's basketball season I guess hmm. whatever season it is <laughs> who knows it's always basketball time. season in this town <laughs> um, and uh, yeah she basically thinks that he might be taking it for granted but um, uh, Ginny knows that Jay really appreciates Denise and hmm. has told Ginny he can't believe someone so you know amazing would look at him twice so Apparently Denise is so beautiful that people forget, I quote here, forget their own attractiveness. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to the cover model on the cover, but that is not the impression you get. Oh, I know. That's it. Well, that, yeah, I mean, again, this cover kind of doesn't match up with, <laughs> with the descriptions <laughs> we're getting. So Ginny does she just sort of knows she's not wildly hot and in fairness to her she's not self-pitying when she describes herself like she's quite matter of fact hmm. um, so uh, but uh, G- Denise tries to get her to try on a daring beret Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently their dynamic is that Ginny is always you know very self-effacing and G- Denise is always trying to sort of big her up and try to get her to take risks hmm. um, but this works for them and yeah, I'd like this again. This, I mean, this has something awful about the Sweet Valiants because apparently they've been friends since they met at summer camp. Which tell Ginny knows that lots of people wonder what their friendship is based on, and they wonder why Denise would be friends with Ginny. Again, yeah, that just says so much about the fucking pricks that go to this school, really, doesn't it? Yeah, because Denise, or sorry, Ginny is fully confident. Like we're told, she knows she brought her share to the friendship, mm. but you know. Um, and her self-mocking attitude towards life allowed her to see humour in many otherwise depressing situations. True, we do see this in this mm. book. So, um, yeah, she's uh, she's she's full of... Uh, they've, they've got a nice sort of vibe going on, and uh, apparently Denise never makes her feel insecure like some of the popular girls go on, and Denise is always telling her that she is good-looking and charming, but Ginny just does not buy it yeah she like she is a little bit down on herself more than she definitely more than she should be um but yeah but it is it is like Denise is quite a sweet friend and does try to convince her and try and does try to get her to try on different things and does kind of push her but not in a jerk way like in in quite a a supportive way yeah yeah exactly like it's uh it's 
it's it's a nice uh, a nice vibe. Mm. So Denise tells Ginny about her chat about Project Youth, and Ginny does con- um, concede co- that you know that she might be she might be the right fit for it. Mm. And she sort of makes a self-deprecating joke about she does have a nice voice so she can impress <laughs> people who can't see her face, which rightly makes Denise go, oh, for fuck's sake, Jenny, come on. Yeah, come Do on, Lydia. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, Jenny says that she'll contact the centre and Denise tells her that the person um, to contact is a woman called Kathy Henry, which I guess must be the woman that Liz talked to when she did the whole mm. women's refuge thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we cut to uh, the um, uh, the the pro- the project you the community centre, I guess. Mm. And Jessica's arriving to meet Amy. We're told since we never she never bothered to wear a watch, she never knew what time it was. And she's early. <laughs> she's kind of horrified to realise that she's early. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, God, she used to just be an absolute nightmare to try and organise anything with. Um, oh God! But yes, she she and Amy are supposed to be going shopping. I think when Amy is finished her shift uh, at the call centre. So yeah, so Jess is a bit early. Has to just kind of flick through magazines while she waits for her. Um, so they kind of allow us time for a little recap again of uh, Amy getting involved in Project yes. Youth and meeting Barry and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and how Amy doesn't actually tell her any of the good goss that she's definitely mm. getting <laughs> from the phone lines but um yeah Which so Jessica she is intrigued by of course oh of course yeah so I think it's Kathy actually spots Jessica and just asks you know if she can help her out or anything or what she's there for basically uh, and Jess just explains she's waiting for Amy so then Amy eventually kind of just pops her head out of the door but looks kind of upset um so she just kind of says to the other people, I think on the phone lines that she has to take a break for a second. Yeah. So she comes out and joins Jessica uh, and just kind of, and again, reveals probably more than she should, but she's obviously just had quite an upsetting yeah. call. So she kind of just needs to, to vent a little bit. She does. And it really is a, an upsetting call. A girl rang to say she's being harassed by one of her teachers. And Jessica says, what, do you mean her grades are slipping? And Amy says, no, he's coming on to her. Mm. And Jessica feels sick and, uh, Amy found it just really upsetting and she did tell the girl that it was like this is really inappropriate it's not her fault but she she got so upset that she wants to kill mm. the uh, this pervy old teacher and she's actually so upset about it she can't even go on their shop, the planned shopping trip she just needs to stay at Project Youth to decompress for a while mm-hmm. so Jessica's all, uh, upset by this revelation to get as well so um she heads out she bumps into Ginny but she calls her by the wrong name God. and yeah it's such a kind of a throwaway detail but also like it's so Jessica to just be like uh, oh sorry Jenny <laughs> then Ginny to be oh. like it's Ginny <laughs> like yeah okay whatever bye I know <laughs> Well, Ginny thinks that this is kind of just typical of her life, basically. <laughs> but, um, that they uh, that they don't, um, or she doesn't get, uh, she doesn't even get noticed by the the popular girls. Or if she does, they they don't remember her. But um, that's why they they make her feel intimidated. So whenever Denise wants her to hang out with her more popular pals, she declines. Hmm. And when she comes in, she's to the. I guess the the backstage area. She meets Amy, and Amy's one of course this popular crew. So Ginny feels intimidated, but then she remembers here Amy's just another volunteer. And uh, when you know Amy gets Kathy, who puts Ginny at ease, then tells her about their training program. I mean, 
what training program is what I say <laughs> I know because we got a little bit of this I think when Amy started at Project Youth and it's like I can't remember was was it as terrible as this was it even worse has this improved mm. I don't know it's still terrible yes uh, <laughs> you know because Kathy tells her that you'll have your first hour of training now oh yeah we've got a total of four hours of training for you to go through that's definitely enough isn't it <laughs> four hours and they're getting talked about like sexual harassment oh, and God. abuse and, like what what is happening? Uh, yeah, so she gets her first hour of training now and then you'll sit at the switchboard with a coach. What? And I was like, okay, so you listen into the call and, and see what you do. And it's like, no, no, your coach will listen in on your calls and be there uh, as a backup. So literally after one single hour of training, they are actually on hour. the switches and taking calls. Like it is outrageous, carry on. <laughs> it's all minors. Like there should be some sort of protection thing in place. Because like I have, uh, I, well, I mean, I have a friend who used to volunteer at the Rape Crisis Centre here mm. and, she now she had a degree in psychology and she is now a clinical psychologist but I mean even with she didn't have to have the degree but you did have to be trained in like active Mm. listening and you know it was a very specific thing they absolutely would not let you go on a phone line with like an hour of (laughs) role-playing exercises Oh God, which is essentially what that hour entails. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't believe that it. it was literally an hour of training and she was suddenly just thrown to the switchboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Kathy, what are you doing here? Oh, <laughs> Someone investigate God. Project Youth, please. <laughs> <laughs> All that money that people were donating should go to proper training for the volunteers. <laughs> please. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Ginny takes her first call and it's a very minor problem. It's just some girl who has to choose to go to her grandmother's birthday birthday party and a friend's party and Ginny helps her realise that she actually wants to spend time with her grandmother Mm. so you know the choices is made for her basically yeah and uh, yeah when she just hangs up Barry's like yeah great job that's (laughs) it (laughs) we're done here yeah Barry is the the coach that's sitting in with her but like God, it's just Coach so ridiculous. Indeed. Oh, stop. I know. Another idiot 16 year old. Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, so Ginny does kind of find, uh, yeah, that she actually enjoyed kind of helping out that girl, even though it was kind of a yes. minor problem. But then, as Barry says, you know, none of them are really simple problems, at least not to the kids who are having them, oh. uh, which is fair enough. But uh, yeah, Ginny finds, yeah, that she she did in, in, enjoy kind of trying to help that girl and, and feels quite good after after the call. Yes. But then she takes another call and it's from a boy. And he's very upset. Oh, yeah. So this guy, uh, he he kind of, when she answers the phone, he just kind of straight away just kind of says, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm going out of my mind. And he sounds <gasps> very seriously kind of upset. Uh, so Ginny kind of panics slightly and wonders if someone mm. more experienced should actually take the call. But Barry just kind of nods at her to continue oh. because you had your hours <laughs> training. You're ready for anything, I guess. That's how they roll in Project oh, U. Christ. So, yeah, so Ginny... Uh, just kind of tries to, to you know, calm him down a little bit. And, you know, it's like, you know, you can tell me your name if you want. You don't have to. Uh, so he does, says he's Mike. Uh, and she says, look, you know, just if you can tell me why you're upset, just a little bit at a time, stop whenever you want. Like she does handle it quite well, in fairness to her. <laughs> Maybe it was a very intensive hour of training. That's the thing. She is actually good, but it is she- no... Credits to Project Q. It's like, this is all Ginny. This is nothing to do with Kathy Henry and her ridiculous training methods. Oh my God. Um, so she eventually gets poor old Mike to uh, to kind of take a few deep breaths and explain the situation, which is that he's recently uh, uh, attending uh, Big Mesa, which is, of course, oh. one of Sweet Valley High's main rivals. Of course. Um, 
but yes, he explains that his dad had died two years ago from cancer um, and that his mother is remarrying, but like never actually told him she was even seeing anybody in the first place. Mm. And he was quite hurt by this. Um, and now he suddenly has this whole step family he has to get used to. And it's all happening very fast for him. And he's just finding the whole thing very tough going because they've also recently moved uh, to the new area as well. So it's all quite a lot going on for poor old Mike. Yes, it really is. And uh, yeah, she's really good. Like she listens to him. She says that, you know, she gets him to basically say that him and his mother are, have never really talked about like his, like how he feels or the whole death of his dad. And mm. um, that's how, that's going to be the first step. He just needs to talk to her and because he hasn't told his mother how he feels. And she actually does give really good advice. I mean, this responsibility should not be a 16 year old to give this advice but <laughs> um but he he really takes it on board and says he feels much better and he says he'd he's he'd like to he feels that he's going to need more support so he asks any ring again um when she's working and it's not like there's no hint of you know he's coming on to it or anything it's because he doesn't want to have to repeat himself and yeah. go through the whole which is fair enough drama. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah having to explain yourself every time would be would be kind of draining all right so yeah, yeah it's all very understandable for Mike to want to speak to the same person again so yeah so she tells him that she'll be there again on Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, and says that her name is Ginny so he's like okay so she's kind of kind of drained by the call but also quite happy that she clearly has kind of helped this guy maybe see things a little clearer and and has given him something to to help kind of clear things up between him and his mother so yeah she's feeling good yeah and rightly so I mean not rightly so with Project Jutes because she should (laughs) put on these codes but anyway just take that for granted as this episode continues (laughs) listeners this is what we're dealing with yes So we get a little sort of filler scene here. We cut to the school gym and basically all you need to know is that Jay, Denise's boyfriend, is playing basketball and Denise is bored because basically she feels that she's um, been relegated to the sidelines, so to speak. And Jay is just obsessed with Hmm. his uh, b-ball and (laughs) she, uh, she gets up to meet Denise and when she suggests to Jay they meet tomorrow he's too busy training and she's like "Mm." (laughs) exactly yeah it's just yeah it's getting a little strained and she's just feeling a bit neglected in the relationship for sure indeed well we cut to the Castletel Wakefield where Liz and Todd are settling down to watch TV when Jessica bursts in with no respect for anybody's privacy and uh the usual yeah and Todd's flicking through the channels and they uh the the TV shows a teacher standing in front of a blackboard in a deserted classroom leering down at a pretty dark-haired student who looks up at him uncertainly uh and this is cute Jessica to tell them everything she heard from Amy and Liz is rightly shocked that Amy's just blabbing stuff about the phone calls all over town (laughs) I know. Jessica does try and defend Amy as well and just say, look, she just had to vent her feelings and she didn't give any specific details. Uh, oh, which is also true. like she didn't actually. And but... she didn't, like in fairness. I suppose it was a very upsetting call to, yeah. to try and help somebody out with. But uh, yeah, as Jess points out that, you know, Amy aside, the point is that this poor girl is, uh, yeah, what is it that she says? Yeah, she didn't give any specific details. The point is, it's just horrible that this poor girl is the victim of sexual harassment. Uh, you know, you wouldn't know if you were getting good grades because he liked you or because you were earning them. Uh, and they are all horrified uh, yeah. by this by this story. And again, it, it's kind of surprising to even see the words sexual harassment in a Sweet Valley High yes, isn't it? Like, it really is. I yeah. mean, the word sex appears a few times, as does the word rape, because they refer to a rape crisis centre. Mm. So I was... Uh, I have to say, I think the way that they deal with this subject in this book is really good. 
surprised I'm saying this honestly I was like pleasantly surprised by how all this was handled and it was yeah again because our expectations are just literally underground for social issues when it comes to these books you know sometimes they do surprise you yeah because like when Jessica says I think uh, you know oh would you be getting grades because you deserve them well because you know you'd Hmm. caught his fancy and Todd says I think worrying about grades would be the least of the girls problems which uh, (laughs) is a good point so Liz is, is so upset by the whole thing and and uh, she she heads out and followed by Todd and she says like she's really worried about this girl because obviously she can't do anything to, to help her and then says this is all continuity she says if it isn't true and she wrongly accuses her teacher that would be pretty rotten and Todd says like what happens to Mr. Collins but then adds most accusations of sexual harassment aren't false though. Going Todd. Honestly, so surprised to see that and to see it come from Todd, to be honest. <laughs> because honestly, that is something that even today people don't seem to be able to get their fucking head around. And it's yes. just like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I'm nodding so hard in agreement again with a Sweet Valley High book. <laughs> yes. And then Liz goes on to say, like, do you suppose anything like this happens at our school? And Todd says that he doesn't know, but, you know, it's not the thing you expect to see. And if it is there, you wouldn't necessarily notice it. And then Liz says, unless you're on the receiving end, and even then you might not really understand what you were seeing or hearing. Like, this is all, especially back in the early 90s, mm. this is pretty solid it really is again like surprisingly solid and yeah I, I was well impressed I must say yeah, yeah. and Liz uh, realises that she, there is something she can do about it and it's uh, it's the true Liz way well, the trumpet has been sounded and it's <laughs> Elizabeth Wakefield <laughs> to the rescue because she of course is going to write an article about it but you know for once it's like actually yes good idea Liz write yeah. your article <laughs> we're actually with you on this one now you know it's, at least it's something more interesting than fucking school admin bullshit or <laughs> more yeah. project youth stuff so uh, yeah she says she wants to she wants girls to be aware of what can and does happen in high schools and tell them that they can and should do or yeah what they can and should do if they believe they're being harassed I can tell them not to be afraid to tell someone mm, good point Liz mm. so we cut to Denise's house and Ginny is all distracted she's thinking of Mike and his call and she tells Denise about it without giving too many details though I mean more details than she should I mean yeah. I'm just going to say the ethics of the of the Mike situation <laughs> I know that uh, I think it was Pippi and Shirley after the, uh, contacted us after the um, the TV episode that was loosely based on this book mm. and uh, yes I know she won't be the only one to have many many issues with the confidentiality <laughs> approach of Project <laughs> Um so Denise is intrigued and uh, especially when she hears that uh, this boy said he's going to call again and when she asks if he's a nice guy Ginny rolled her eyes and said he was too busy having a crisis for me to tell if he was a nice guy <laughs> but she'll keep Denise posted because apparently they didn't cover the confidentiality part in her hour of training <laughs> You can only squeeze so much in, into those role-playing situations you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, we cut to Tuesday afternoon and Liz arrives at the Oracle office where um, Olivia Penny and John Pfeiffer... Ooh. Just going to say, John is fine in this book and uh, clearly doesn't learn a fucking thing. Oh my God. I was... Uh, yes, I don't know what's going on here. I was like, clearly they didn't have uh, a certain arc in mind writing this because none of that adds up. <laughs> Absolutely none of us, because I'm I'm surprised after this book that John's was the name they pulled out of the hat mm. for a certain book that's uh, 
that's coming up soon. Actually, very soon. Like, actually, do you know what? Yeah, maybe they're actually making a point here. So where guys can talk the talk, but not necessarily fucking follow through. So, you know, unless it is actually like a, yeah, maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. Again, could potentially be giving people too much credit here, but maybe not. Again, we've been surprised. Yes. And as I think this episode shows, our memories of some of these books is uh, very (laughs) inaccurate. (laughs) Also true. So um, yeah, she uh, she tells the her colleagues that um, she wants to do a story on sexual harassment, and the others are like, "What do you do? You know of some sexual harassment? Like, is something going on?" And Liz says, "No, she means she's not talked about a specific case. She just means an article describing what it is, what it means, and what can be done if it happens." Um, she says it's a subject that nobody talks about, and I think that's a dangerous thing. A lot of girls could get hurt by the silence, and John says he agree- agrees for another reason, but actually, it's not that. Bad. It's actually quite a sensible reason. I know. I was kind of really going, oh yeah, of course he fucking uh, agrees for another reason. Whatever, John. But uh, yeah, he goes on to say then, there's lots of things that guys don't realise are offensive to girls unless someone tells them. Men and women see things differently. And sometimes you have to tell guys how a girl sees a situation that might be scary to her. And again, yeah. you're, I was kind of really going, yeah, whatever, John, fuck off. But like, there is a certain amount of, of truth to that as well, where it's just like, yeah, some, some men clearly need their eyes opened and to see how something could be perceived very differently from some else's point of view yes but olivia rightly says she's uh, you know yeah that's fair enough for hmm. you know kids in school Kid, but yeah, yeah. she's sure any teacher coming on to a student knows perfectly well what uh what he's doing and penny thinks that, that liz's idea is uh clearly you know worthwhile there's a lot to go into here but she mm-hmm. knows could ruffle some feathers she says they should run the idea by uh their supervisor uh <laughs> And uh, then a cheerful voice from the doorway says, did I hear someone taking my name in vain? And it's Mr. Collins. There he is. And he's even described as English teacher extraordinaire. (laughs) And he walks in with a smile on his handsome face. (laughs) Here he is. (laughs) Newspaper advisor. Now, just got to say now, everybody, Mr. Collins shocked me to my core in this Mm. That's it. Very, I was so happy. It's like so delighted to see him make an entrance and then immediately disappointed by him. <laughs> what? But it all comes good in the end. Genuinely yeah. does, listeners. Yeah. So, um, you know, Mr. Collins, uh, we don't we don't have to cancel Mr. Collins. <laughs> he remains uncancelled for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got your our eyes on you, Roger. But I do mm. think, in fairness, he does seem to, you know, he makes some very uh, strong, good statements at the very end of the book. Yes. So just be prepared for <laughs> yeah, to get through this first. Yes. <laughs> so Liz is, and this is very realistic. She's awkward about bringing up the topic because of the Suzanne stuff. Because mm-hmm. remember, Mr. Collins really was falsely accused. Yes. By that uh, hose drinker, Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> that hose drinking hussy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she kind of wishes she had a bit more time to like um, prepare how she's going to sell this. But Penny tells Mr. Collins straight away that Liz has an idea he she, he should hear. Mr. Collins says, okay, shoot. And he pulls out a chair and straddles it. <laughs> of course he does. He literally does not know how to say it any other way. <laughs> Stunning. Love it. So Liz is like, we shouldn't have to, you know, this, this is not the ideal situation or situation to, uh, um to uh, to to tell you how mm. this but um she says i want to write a story about the issue of sexual harassment and she can see the color drain <laughs> from his face and he says what do you mean are you saying this is happening at sweet valley high and um 
Liz explains her idea, but Mr. Collins is silent. Then he does say that his own history in this issue makes it very difficult for him to discuss this. And um, Liz says, look, she knows this is stirring up memories of an extremely upsetting experience, but uh, then Mr. Collins breaks my heart. Oh, like, yes, same. Uh, Yeah, he... He says, you know, I wish you would reconsider. It could lead to all kinds of mistakes. You could start a real witch hunt without meaning to. And it's just that fucking typical thing of like white men being the ones to throw around witch hunt as as in poor us when it's never, ever that being the case. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Collins. Don't worry, listeners. He sees the error of his ways. He he does. But yeah, again, we still have to just get through all this very disappointing rhetoric from him first. Um, so Liz says that's not what she's trying to do. She's just saying they need to discuss the issue. I think Mr. Collins mm-hmm. frankly goes from bad to worse. Oh, seriously. It's, yeah, it's it's very poor form from him. Because uh, he did literally just say that his personal life shouldn't have anything to do with editorial decisions that are being made. And uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I don't think you should stir up trouble where none exists. Oh. Uh, oh. And it's like, like it's, the whole point of the article is to help girls or kids that might be in this situation and don't know what to do and it's like it's very like a guy who has something to hide kind of the way he's reacting you know and we know that's not the case so it's just like damn it Roger do better yes I mean we know this did happen to you but like that's what Liz is proposing is uh it has nothing to do with your situation Mm. yeah um because his reasoning is just stupid he says if a teacher here at Sweet Valley is guilty of sexual harassment something needs to be done and if a girl is being harassed we should get her to go to the proper authorities but it's not our job to raise a lot of groundless suspicions and Penny says but our job is to give the students information that will be that could be important to them and uh, Liz says I promise the article will be fair and fully researched and I don't think you can assume that an informational article about sexual harassment would start a witch hunt um, and says I mean I know these sort of comparisons uh, mm. aren't hugely helpful but I mean uh, she says that's like saying an article about anti-Semitism would necessarily lead to uh, students to spray spray paint swastikas on the wall. And Liz says this is different, and I think you can realize you realize this. Careers are at stake. A false accusation could ruin a teacher's whole life. It nearly did mine. And Liz is like, yes, I know it did. But if a student's in a difficult situation and doesn't know where to turn, that would be a tragedy. And that finally cuts through to Mr. Collins. Uh, who um, has clearly just been thinking of himself and um, he's like fine okay but I'm gonna you know just show me the first draft and Liz is about to object to this because you know he doesn't normally demand copy approval Mm. but but Penny cuts her off yeah she says it's fair enough because I mean after he is the advisor like the faculty advisor to the paper so it's like okay that is fair Uh, yeah but but I suppose when he's gone then Liz kind of realises that this might actually be a harder fight uh, than she expected it to be. Indeed. So the next day, Ginny heads to Project Youth where she's taken uh, for her second hour of counsellor training. (laughs) Again, like I just, it's wild that they are letting them anywhere near the phones after one hour of training when they still have all this to get through. Oh no, I mean, mean, not that four hours, not that four hours is anywhere near enough training anyway, but just... Oh, it's just insane, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, my God. It really is. Uh, because today they spent a whole hour just basically giving her information about other programmes that could help, the, which I guess is better than them trying to solve like substance abuse and um, yeah, well, true, yeah. sexual harassment. But it's basically a, a list of places that are experts in this, in the various uh, fields. Mm. Um, but uh, she's not even paying attention because she keeps sneaking a glance at the clock in case she misses Mike's call. 
<laughs> well, this is it. Yeah, it is Wednesday, so she's you know hoping he's going to call back. And uh, he does. And he tells her that he talked to his mother. They had a breakthrough. They talked about his dad properly for the first time. And uh, bridges are being built. Mm. And uh, by the end of the call, he's agreed that he's going to talk to Joe and try and find common ground because he they've just been clashing from the from the start either because apparently Joe has like he's got kids of his own and um, he thinks that because his kids have after school jobs that Mm. Mike should get a job instead of going for the track team and it's like basically Liz or not Liz I'm so used to Liz being the one wise counsel (laughs) it's like Ginny should have a reassuring hand on someone's shoulder (laughs) (laughs) oh she kind of does oh she does with both hands kind of clasped so Well done, Ginny. A a subtle and sneaky hand on the shoulder that (laughs) didn't even cough. My goodness. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, by the end of the call, she's basically uh, encouraged him to talk to talk to Joe and uh, find. (laughs) That's a radio radio (laughs) phrase here. well he's gonna talk to joe uh on this live line and um (laughs) uh she he feels much better again and he asks if he can call again when she's there and uh, she's like well yeah i'll be there on monday but all our counselors are good listeners and he says no way you're my one and only and uh while (laughs) Ginny knows he just means that she's his one and only counselor on this um she almost wished those words meant something else (gasps) Something really special. Ooh. So uh, we get a couple of filler scenes, really. She tells, she's on the phone to Denise later, but she's not really paying attention because she's checking up a list of local family therapy groups she can recommend to Joe. And uh, she knows she's distracted. Um, or Ginny, Denise knows she's distracted. So yes. Ginny tells her what happens, but says, this is telephone cancelling, not dial-a-date. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I know it's stopping so unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly doesn't. And then we get another filler scene. It's basically Liz is distracted, Todd and Sam are over, and Jets warns her to not to neglect Todd, but that goes nowhere. Like so, in case you think there's going to be I some know. Sort of extra yeah, I was line. I was worried because we 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 just had a whole like Liz and Todd Rocky Patch thing. I was like, come oh. on, I'm done with that for now. <laughs> but yeah, it's all fine. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to Monday and Ginny can't wait to finish her third hour of training and talk to Mike. (laughs) Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, she gives him recommendations for the therapy, family therapy things that she looked up. And and by Wednesday, because we're zooming ahead here, Mm. he's had a breakthrough with Joe. Yeah, they had uh, a whole family conference, apparently. That was a bit rough at first, but apparently he and Joe really got through to each other. And Joe explained that he was only tough on him because he was, you know, he was expecting uh, Mike to think that he was taking his dad's place and that if he didn't take a firm line, he wouldn't respect him. So they were both kind of as nervous and awkward about the whole situation as each other. But just until they actually talked it through, no one kind of realized that's what the other was feeling. Yes. So um, a big breakthrough has Mm. been made. And... uh, yeah, uh, Mike says that it would never have happened without Ginny because he was oh. going to run away when he first rang. He just <gasps> rang Project Chiefs in some desperation. That's true, yeah, because Ginny could tell at the, from the very first phone call that he was very seriously upset and knew that something was something drastic was potentially going to happen. So uh, so she really did uh, sort him out there. So yeah, she's, she's very relieved, obviously, that she managed to, to be there for him. 
Yeah, and he says, which is lovely, you were so nice and you gave me a chance to catch my breath. I'll never forget it. And when he talked to his mother and Joe, he could hear her voice in his head, you know, remembering her wise words. And says, um, she says, you're special, Ginny. You're a beautiful person. I know you must be so pretty. This is a weird moment in this book. It's true, yeah. It's just, yeah, this is not great. <laughs> but then he says that he wants to meet in person because well, he doesn't need her counsel anymore and now they can just be pals. Mm. Um, and she's torn because she knows it's against the rules, but she gives in in about two seconds. Yeah, she, her resolve weakens very quickly. Uh, Mike's voice was so warm and sincere uh, and she does feel that they're friends. So he does oh. kind of plead with her a little bit and he's like, you know what do you say and she's like she does relent and says like okay but just once because like she really isn't meant to do this at all um so they arrange to meet outside casey's ice cream uh in the mall she says look i'll wear a green sweater and uh again mike not great from him here he's like i'll know you don't worry i'll just look for the prettiest girl there and of course Ah. Ginny hears this and she's like ah fuck um but yeah they arrange to meet on saturday and as soon as the call is over she's just like oh god why did i agree to this this is a disaster uh she says as soon as mike met her he would see what a mistake he'd made he'd be polite she was sure but he wouldn't want to see her again because she is just (gasps) too down on herself and uh yeah reckons that this will be the end of things if he actually sees her in real life so she doesn't know what to do Mm. so we cut to friday and uh it's gym class and denise and uh Ginny are warming up but Denise uh, is you know notices that something's up with Ginny she's not engaged mm-hmm. in her usual banter yeah and Ginny reveals all and uh, Denise is delighted for her but then Ginny says she can't meet Mike because he'll be disappointed oh yeah and like Denise is kind of like just amazed by this she's like you're absolutely crazy he won't care if you're not a cover girl uh and she's like no you have to stop being so insecure you are pretty believe me but Ginny just won't listen uh isn't hearing it at all she's like look i just i can't do this uh it's only a one-time thing please do this for me i never ask you for anything so denise yeah. is like okay yeah. look i think it's a mistake but i'll do it she, um so she because, wants like, her to go she wants denise to go to uh go there instead of her yes sorry <laughs> <laughs> that is the plan um yeah but that's it and i suppose Ginny is so upset she's almost near tears while she's begging denise to take her place so denise mm. is like look okay yeah fine if it is this one-time thing yeah. again don't agree with this but i will no. do it for you so yes. yeah so that's all the plan now <laughs> yeah and the plan is that she'll go and then say uh okay now we've met but we can never see each other again yes yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to sweet Val- or the I guess another part of Sweet Valley High. I just <laughs> forgot that they were actually in gym class. Yeah. And Liz gets a note telling her to go to Chrome Dom's office. She assumes, given past form, it's a new glorious assignment for her. <laughs> Some other pat on the back for being yes. amazing. <laughs> but she's shocked and unsettled when she goes into his office and Chrome Dom looks grim. Mm, yeah, he also has a, a pile of Oracle back issues uh, on the corner of his desk and Liz straight away spots this and is like, okay, and starts to feel a little bit uneasy. So yeah, Mr. Cooper explains that, uh, you know, he's been reading over some of her articles and, you know, you're going to make an excellent journalist. In fact, you're already an excellent journalist. Um, so yeah, he kind of you know compliments her writing and says, you know, you always seem to hit on the issues that matter to her students. Uh, but then gets down to the nitty gritty, which is, uh, I understand from Mr. Collins, you're preparing an article on her teacher uh, improprieties. Have you written it yet? Uh-huh. And Liz is like kind of trying to, you know, carefully manage this and says, look, I'm still doing my research and I want to make sure it's very well prepared and, and well thought out. 
But uh, Cooper is like, yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to drop it. <gasps> so he's uh, he explains that he reckons it's in the best interests of the school not to have <gasps> such a story in our paper. Yes, he says, considering the bad publicity we had when Mr. Collins was er, having his difficulties. <laughs> I'm very concerned people might read the story and assume something of this nature is occurring in our school. We can't risk a repeat of that sad incident. And Liz's like, what? But Cooper sends her on her way. Yeah, he's just not having it at all. So Liz, understandably, is very angry and confused about this whole situation. Mm. Well, the next day, Ginny preps Denise on her on the background for her date with Mike. So basically breaking all the confidences of the oh, Project Youth phone line. Any sniff of ethics is out the window well and truly here because <laughs> she's basically having yeah, to give her a crash course in uh, Mike's entire life up until this point. <laughs> it's confidential call. Oh, um, so Denise is all chill and she's, you know, she's cool about going. She says that her alternative was going to another basketball game. Um to cheer on Jay and she can only she says she can only take so much basketball and when Ginny says that uh, she's surprised because she thought she liked cheering for Jay he just sort of told rah rah Denise shrugged gets a little old I like Denise <laughs> me too but that is the first time someone's been that kind of blasé about like cheering yes. on their boyfriend it's always <laughs> such a big deal to cheer on your significant other or else they'll fail spectacularly because you <laughs> need to be there <laughs> You do. I mean, that's how people win. They just, you know, and get better from the terrible illnesses. So, you know, the only way it is. So, uh, yeah, she's um, she's she's ready to go. And um, she but she hasn't told Jay about the Mike scheme, but she doesn't think he'd notice anyway. And Mm -hmm. Denise feels or Ginny feels a pang of uh, sort of. I'm not really sure what it is when she realises how Denise, how great Denise looks because she thinks Mike will be knocked out. And Denise, see, this is the thing. Denise is really sound. She's like, you know, it's not too late. You can go yourself. Mm. And uh, Ginny's like, no, it wouldn't be fair. He doesn't deserve that. And Denise is <laughs> horrified. And he's like, did it ever occur to you he wants to meet you because he trusts you? This is a pretty big lie to be tricking him with. And uh, Ginny is adamant. Denise has to has to be her uh, her substitute yeah she's yeah she's she kind of says she didn't really want to meet him anyway which is an outright lie and says that you know I only said yes because he was so insistent so Denise is like okay well look if you're really sure and she does you know try and double and triple check with Ginny that this is what Mm. she wants to do um because it is a crazy plan but uh but Ginny's just like right let's just let's just get this over with Well, Denise arrives at the mall, but she has a scheme. Um, She's going to tell Mike the truth from the start and just say Ginny's really shy. Yeah, and I really liked this because the whole time that that Ginny was trying to talk her into it, I was like, Mm. you know, clearly the thing to do here is yes, to go along so your friend will will stop crying. But then just explain to the guy straight away, look, I'm actually not her. She's too shy to meet you. And then, you know, figure out a plan from there. So I was very happy that this was actually what Denise intended. But of course, nothing goes the way it should in Sweet Valley. (laughs) Of course not, because as soon as she sees Mike, he's a hunk. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, it's this is bad now from Denise because she was great up until this point but uh, yeah she she turns to say hello to him when she hears the voice but the greeting died on her lips uh, (gasps) because she can't think of a a thing to say um, and feels super awkward and wonders is this love at first sight Uh, because the moment she'd laid eyes on Mike all thought of telling him the truth had evaporated Uh, (gasps) he was incredibly handsome again this is (laughs) 
again, this is not the guy on the book. <laughs> his brown hair was combed back from his forehead and a scattering of freckles crossed his nose. His eyes were brown. He was smiling at her. She felt powerless to do anything but smile back at him. <laughs> <gasps> well, she gets all tongue-tied and she's a bit stressed and uh, they go and get ice cream. Um, but uh, she she's about to order some sort of low-fat diet thing, but then she can't because that's not Ginny's style at all. But I mean, I can't imagine that Mike has heard anything about Ginny's. <laughs> eating habits but uh, anyway she's very she's got full method she's she... <laughs> she's Joaquin Phoenixing her way through this day <laughs> Jared Leto wing <laughs> well um, Mike is talking about family stuff and how she helped him and he just looks at her so with such affection um, mm. that she's even more smitten and oh, yeah. they take their ice cream outside and uh Mike notices something that upsets him. Oh, uh, well, he is it that they see the the camping? That's a homeless woman. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes, yeah, so yeah, he sees a homeless woman, and um, yeah, he he says it makes him feel so sad. And Denise, oh, Denise, a little bit of a dick here again now. Denise, she's like, I know what you mean. Sweet Valley used to be such a nice place. You never saw that kind of thing, and he's kind of surprised by this reaction. And then Denise realizes that she's just been kind of a bitch uh and she does say she doesn't even mean that she's she just i suppose she's yeah she's under pressure and trying to keep everything straight in her head and just kind of blurted it out without thinking but realizes then that Ginny would never have said that in a million years so she kind of tries to to recover and says you know i mean sweet valley used to be the kind of place where you know that woman would be taken care of and it makes me sad that people don't seem to care anymore so she kind of recovers somewhat yes. from it but uh yeah kind of realizes yeah that's not how jenny would have reacted at no. all in this situation and mike's smile returns and he gives the woman a few dollars which charms denise even more mm. um but as they you know sort of this ice cream outing is drawing to a close and mike says look you know maybe this was a bad idea and says that denise feels a bit uncomfortable and he's really worried that he forced her to meet up, but mm. he's he's very like this is the thing. He's actually quite cool. He's mm. like, look, you don't really seem the same as you do on the phone. Even your voice is different. Um, <laughs> and then says, face it, I was really pushy about meeting you in person. You didn't want to, but here you are, being polite, putting up with me. I should have realized you agreed only because I was being such a jerk. It's like, oh, Mike. There's, you know, it's so unusual for a boy in this town to have some kind of self awareness, and he is like, look, yeah, she's a bit out of sorts. This is obviously because I push this situation on her and I shouldn't have done that and he is very apologetic about the whole thing but uh, Denise insists this isn't true she's having a wonderful time and she can't wait to see him again and uh, he's like oh okay Um, so she suggests a movie on Wednesday and he's like oh well I guess after your shift at Project Youth and she's like oh oh, yes my uh, shift Oh God. Yeah. So obviously the plans for this to be a one-time thing as well are truly out the window at this stage. So uh, yeah. So he, um, yeah, he agrees to meet her uh, for like a a seven o'clock show on uh, after her shift, of course. And um, yeah, he says, you know, even if you didn't want to meet me today, I'm glad you did. You're just as beautiful and wonderful as I knew you'd be. So Denise is just thrilled by all of this and hasn't felt this way with Jay apparently in a very long time. So she's all excited now for this Wednesday date where she will have to continue to pretend to be Ginny. God, so stressful. Mm. Um, So later on the phone to Ginny, she sings Mike's praises and uh, she's she's so enthusiastic. The poor Ginny feels like crying. Oh, uh, she thinks she already has a boyfriend. Ginny told herself sorrowfully, it's not fair. Oh, man. 
Yeah, like it's, yeah. Oh God. Like obviously Ginny wasn't going to be too happy about this. So I do feel like Denise is again, a little um, lousy in (laughs) what she's banging on about how incredible Mike is and that they're going to go see each other again. When like, you know, he, you know, Ginny obviously did like him too, but now hasn't had a chance to meet him. And it is, it is pretty unfair of Denise the way she's going on. But actually, you know, she does say, look, are you sure you don't mind? Because I won't do mm. it if you mind. And Ginny is like, no, no, I don't mind. No, oh, I'd be such a martyr, Ginny. Yeah. And uh, Ginny asks how Jay is. And Denise is like, all he talks about is basketball, rock concerts and whether we should get a dirt bike. So she <laughs> doesn't really care what he thinks. Yeah, she is fed up with Jay mm. and his shite. So on Monday afternoon, D- Ginny finds Denise in the cafeteria and she's sitting with Jay, but they both look sullen and moody. And uh, Ginny joins them, but it's really awkward. And Denise is kind of a dick to Jay until he basically walks away. Oh God, yeah, it's all very prickly and uh, yeah, very awkward. But yeah, she kind of picks a fight with him really. And uh, yeah, Jay storms off and uh, Denise. Ginny is just like, oh God, what what is happening here? Um, she says, look, you know, it's not fair of you to um, to compare Jay to Mike because, you know, you, you've always liked Jay. Um, yeah. So that's really not the thing to do. You know, you've always known that he was a bit younger than you. Like he hasn't changed. Uh, yeah. And Denise is like, well, maybe maybe I have. Maybe I'm different. <gasps> oh, and wow. um, yeah. So and, and again, it is very fair of Ginny to be like, look, it's, like, it's not fair to, to criticize Jay for things you've never minded about him before yes. just because you've met a new guy and are now intent on comparing him to Mike. So um, Denise reveals that she's thinking about breaking up with Jay. <gasps> she is. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, Jessica's watching the drama and we're told uh, she had tried breaking Denise and Jay up once because she'd wanted to take Jay herself. At the moment, mm. she was happily committed to ha- Sam. But she figured it was always good to keep tabs on these things. Oh my God, amazing. I just like, I hope uh, she's got a chart or a diagram or something. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the Hershey bar where she's just updating everyone's <laughs> status. So good. But also then I remember that that's, that was the Miss Lovelorn thing. Remember that her and Lila were doing for the article. Was, it was like the advice column. Oh my God. Because yeah. I actually did a search in my uh, documents folder for Denise. <laughs> and the thing that came up was, um, was who was that troubled kid who Tony Esteban took under his wing? Um, his mother was called Denise. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm... Oh, so yeah. uh, I couldn't find a reference to it, but maybe I didn't mention Denise's yeah. name in my notes. That's it, yeah. She might have only been mentioned briefly, but yeah, when they, when they mentioned this, I was like, that's who she is. Because even when they oh. mentioned Jay Maguire earlier on, I was like, I know that fucking name. And it was from the whole Miss Lovelorn thing where <gasps> Jessica was writing fake letters yes. to herself. And it was like meant to be from Jay saying he's going out with a senior and he doesn't know. You <gasps> she know, was the senior. So uh. she was the senior, yeah. So that was those. So they've actually been together for, well, maybe it's like I four mean- weeks <laughs> in Sweet Valley time, but like we're looking at like 60 plus books here. Wow. <laughs> Surely at this stage, but anyway, yeah. That's an impressive deep cut from the ghostwriter because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out when it was. So, yeah. uh, well played, ghostwriter. Well played. <laughs> That's some good diving. Um, so the Jess uh, distracts herself from you know her her spreadsheet of boys um, <laughs> to earwig on Liz and Penny, who reveal the newspaper drama to the gag and. Uh, Apparently there's a, you know, Mr. Um, Cooper thinks it would upset the school board, but um, Penny doesn't care and says newspapers aren't about making people feel good. Newspapers are about information that's important. Uh, and says the question right now isn't whether or not this is a good story idea for a story, although she does. The question is, will we be told what we can and cannot print in our own paper? 
<gasps> oh my goodness. Yeah. Jessica chimes in and says, yeah, that's right. She's like, either it's a student newspaper or it isn't. Chrome Dome is telling you to shut up. And if there's one thing I can't stand, it's being told to shut up. <laughs> oh, damn straight, Jessica. <laughs> so uh, the gang basically have a very sensible debate on freedom of speech and uh, the importance of, you know, sticking to your principles. And as a uh, you know, Todd says, this is an important story. And Jessica says they should uh, just uh, publish and be damned, basically. <laughs> she's so funny. Yeah, she's like, just go ahead with it. Winston is like, yeah, I should have known that'd be Jessica's advice. Just do it and face the music later. That's her MO. And Jessica's like, yeah, and it works. I do it all the time. <laughs> you just have to make sure you've got a good explanation for when you get caught. But at least you have the satisfaction of having done what you wanted to do. Yeah. And again, very true to Jessica's character all the yeah. way down. So Penny's not sure whether this is the best approach, but Todd agrees and Liz is tempted. And Winston points out this is a good test case. Like, will the administration gag the article? <gasps> oh my goodness. So Liz would rather, you know, make a case for them being allowed to publish it. But uh, Jessica says, um, uh, go ahead and write the story and we'll all watch the fireworks. I love it. She's just mad for a bit of scandal. It's like, if Amy isn't going to tell me what's going on in Project (laughs) Youth, then at least we can blow something up here. (laughs) Well, by the time Elizabeth arrives in English class that afternoon, we're told she had developed strong feelings of resentment and disappointment and they're directed and Mr. Collins. (laughs) And she's right in fairness. And Um, my notes will say, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, and she really does feel like it was unfair of him to go and, and like, rat on her, basically, to Mr. Cooper before yes. she'd even written the story. Uh, and again, yeah, like, very reasonable. So, yeah, she's really, really not that excited now about sitting in his English class. And uh, it's very unlike her because he, they're talking about a tale of two cities and he kind of, you know, throws out questions to the class where usually Liz would be the one getting stuck yeah. in and whatever but he even kind of calls out Liz and as you know Liz what about you which of the characters has your attention and she just kind of doesn't answer him yeah um, she glares and rightly so as my notes say <laughs> yeah so eventually somebody else speaks up and it's grand yeah. but like clearly yes things are strained between Liz and Mr Collins yes. for sure because she thinks it's wrong to encourage the newspaper staff to be independent and then jerk on the leash <gasps> and uh, she decides she's gonna have to go ahead with the article Hoo-ah! yeah she's right so Ginny arrives at Project Youth uh, to find her. This is basically her training's over at this stage. She's alone on the switchboard. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, she's already been taking calls for the last two weeks anyway. So it's like, oh, and now your training's done. <laughs> so uh, she helps a few callers. And then who should train? But Mike. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. So what's the crack there? He, they're going well, he on takes, a camping he, trip. He is. <laughs> but first of all, he says that um, he, she, is he like, is she sure she wants to go on this uh, next second meetup yes. that they've arranged? Because she seemed a bit different on Saturday. And uh, she, Denise, or I keep it, look, Ginny wants to be honest, but she thinks she can't because, like, Denise bags them, basically. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Mike then talks about how the family chats are going well. They're planning a camping trip together. Mm. And Ginny says, yeah, it's really best to be honest about the things that matter the most. But the minute she says it, she realises that she's not being honest at all. Oh, God. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's well aware of the irony of her telling him how important it is to be honest while <laughs> she basically created a, a false persona um, yeah. to meet him on, on the Saturday. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, she's she's kind of depressed by by how this is all working out now. Um, because Mike is now so so like 
fully committed to like honesty all the time. And even if I'm afraid of saying something that might hurt someone's feelings, you know, it's better because keeping silent makes things worse. So, um, yeah. So he kind of says, look, I don't, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I had the feeling when we met that you didn't like me. <gasps> um, and, uh, yeah. And he's like, you know, why, why would someone as gorgeous as you even be interested in me? So, um, again, Ginny's like, you know, that's, that's obviously not the case. That's dumb. Um, and yeah, she says, is that why you wants to go out with me again because of how I look? And he kind of reassures her, like, no, of course not. He says, look, I'll see you on Wednesday. And if you want to wear a paper bag over your head, that's okay with me. Oh, see, he's charming. <laughs> he um, actually is. Yeah. Uh, but instead of being charmed, she's like, oh, no. She He sensed there was something different about uh, the Ginny he met the other day. But because he's so hot, he wants to meet <laughs> her again. Instead of saying, Mike clearly doesn't care about looks. So she's really yeah. twisted things up in her mind. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like she doesn't want to believe that Mike was so superficial and is like, he's not. You're just reading him wrong completely yeah. and not and not listening to him properly. <laughs> but yeah, she knows that it's it's all a mess. Uh, and just, yeah, she's just like, oh, God, things might have been differently if I'd just been honest from the start. But she's like, look, mm. this is how things are. You just have to get used to it now. Well, the next day she reluctantly tells Denise all about the call and uh, Denise um says that Janice could tell something's wrong with Ginny. Mm. So for some reason, she suggests that Ginny comes along on her date to the movies with Mike and pretends to be Denise. Oh, God. Why? So <laughs> she says it'll, it'll make her, because she's really nervous around Mike and she thinks it'll make her feel less nervous. I mean, why? And why you think if it's a date, you think he'll be delighted that she just brought a random friend along. But... um Denise, I guess, is even more nervous because she broke up with Jay. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, she says, you know, it hasn't been the same between us for a long time. And I've been complaining about him for a while. But yeah, she says, look, the relationship was stale uh, and she didn't realize just how stale until she met Mike. Um, yeah. So she's now just trying to dodge Jay, basically, and is heading off to the library so she won't have to see <gasps> him in school. Yeah. And uh, later, Jay approaches Ginny and it says, like, what do you know why Denise broke up with me? Like, I, I'm just baffled. And she's really sorry for him because apparently she's always liked him and got on really well with him. And uh, so she feels guilty. Mm, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Because obviously she can't tell Jay the truth. So it's like for all her pushing people to be honest, she can't do it herself at all. <laughs> well, la later, Liz notices a distracted Ginny and of course joins her because that's her way. <laughs> and uh, she says she's wondering, I guess it's, it is in fairness, it is part of her article research. She yeah. wonders what the councillors are trained to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very fucking little. <laughs> um, but yeah, what they're trained to do if a girl calls to say she's being harassed and... Um, Ginny says that part of my training included studying lists of other of other social services agency and the rape crisis center handles sexual harassment. Now I know that there will be kids who are reading this who that's their first, not like the first encounter with even the concept of a rape crisis center. Mm. So um, yeah, I was uh, I was genuinely surprised. Same. Yeah. Again, that they were that straightforward because they tend to dance around stuff a bit as well sometimes yeah. with these kind of like issue heavy plots. But um, but again, yeah, just being straightforward and very reasonable. And it's like, damn, OK, fair play, Ghostwriter. Yeah. So, yeah, basically their advice is to send somebody to a professional, which I guess is a good thing. Thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Liz ponders her next move. So she does think, yes, it is possible that, an, you know, a troubled student could misread uh, mm. teachers kindness and friendliness and you know but um 
and you know false accusations could destroy somebody's life but then thinks but it was also true that if a vulnerable frightened girl was being harassed for real and didn't know where to turn for help that could ruin much more than a career that could ruin the rest of a girl's life oh my god and again like yes something that's still incredibly relevant and needs to be fucking hammered into some people still like it's crazy yeah so she discusses this with Penny, who's like, yeah, these are all good points. But the you know the thing we have to think about right now is, can we say any of this or not? Yes. And it's like, well, we've got to do it. And that's good. Uh, you know, she wants to write it. And that's good enough for Penny. So they're going to yeah. run it in the air. Yeah. So Denise and Ginny arrive at the movie theatre. And uh, yeah, the excuse for dragging Ginny along is that she needed cheering up. Um because she was having a bad time. And when they arrive, Denise is all nervous and smitten. And uh, Ginny's also nervous in case Mike recognises her voice. And <laughs> when Mike does turn up, it is hilarious. Uh, he's like, how are you? He, and he's really nice about it. Like he's, he doesn't have any, you know, oh, okay, you brought somebody else along. Wasn't expecting that. But we're told, fine. Ginny answered in a low voice. <laughs> Did you <laughs> Meet before Mike asked? No, I doubt it. (laughs) But then they actually have some sweet, some kind of cute banter, which I am very charmed by. Truly, yeah. Again, very unsweet valley. But yeah, Yeah. they do they do chat and they kind of joke around a little bit and they 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 hit it off right away. And it is very cute and nice. And I guess Ginny eventually (laughs) drops the weird voice. (laughs) But um, (laughs) because they they are getting along and uh yeah, they kind of she kind of realizes at one point when when Denise pipes up about let's go into the to the cinema, Ginny kind of realizes she almost forgot she was there because her and Mike were just kind of chatting away like old pals. Um and it is funny that like straight away Mike was like did we meet before like he, there's obviously something yeah. familiar about Jenny that he just can't put his finger on yep. so she manages to, to, to dodge that suspicion for now anyway <laughs> so uh, as the evening goes on Jenny realizes that she and Mike have an easy rapport which he just mm. doesn't have with Denise and oh she sort of damps down her wit which makes me sad because uh, oh. they have been very charming together so far and Mike suggests that after the movie they go to the Dairy Burger um, but of course the girls realize they could get spotted there so Jenny suggests a place called the Lucky Duck oh my god uh, <laughs> I love this apparently yeah Denise suggests it and says she hasn't been there for ages and Ginny has to kind of hide the smile on her face because she was like Mike would think it was very peculiar for them to choose a place where the waiters were dressed as ducks what uh, like and we're only hearing about it now what <laughs> why have they kept the lucky duck and the duck themed waiters from us until why? book where are we 87 what? fucking oh. books and only now we're hearing about the duck themed also it's another ice cream place duck themed oh, yeah. ice cream <laughs> place <laughs> i can't believe we've never heard of this before I'm well Jenny says you're in for quite an experience it'll quack you up <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> I have to say though, when they take their seats there, because it's like, despite it's the fact it just serves ice cream, it is full table service. Um, they take their seats and we're told, what can I get you? Their duck waiter answer, asked in a tired voice. Oh God, he's so over it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd say you would be after 10 minutes. Um, and Ginny's like, a little cornmeal, lots of algae. And uh, Mike laughs and says, I'll have that too, unless you have duck soup. Denise does not get the jokes, which, I mean, come on, Denise. I thought you were smarter than this. But then we're told, the duck just looked bored. 
what could I get you? Oh. <laughs> or I, could, I need, I need, I need someone in Sweet Valley High to get an after-school job at the Lucky Duck. I just, <laughs> I need so much right now. <laughs> oh my god, maybe we'll see the Lucky Duck in the TV series because I have to say that's the kind of deep cut they would do. Do you know it's the kind of thing they would actually pull out and amaze us with? So fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> Well, somehow, Denise is having an amazing time, despite the fact that Ginny and Mike are clearly getting on way better than her. And uh, <laughs> she's, uh, but she's glad they're getting on so well. And she wishes that, Den- that Ginny could be her real self around, you know, other guys, because she's clearly just being herself with Mike. Mm. And um, she, she realises that she herself just feels kind of awkward with Mike all the time. And, you know, she's like, She's isn't she meant to be smitten with him? But tells herself love is making her nervous. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And she like yeah, she she knows that uh, she's just a bit stilted or something around him. But yeah, just puts yeah. it down to, to how head over heels she is. Yes. Um. So she she rejoins them at the table, and Mike and Ginny burst out laughing, um, because they're just having great crack together. Uh, and apparently Denise had been telling Mike all about the the Miss Teen Sweet Valley pageant because it is throwback says, central lately. It is, and of course, when he says Denise, he means Ginny because they're going under of each course, other's names. Yes. yes. Yeah. Denise shrugged and we're told she could understand the pressure people put on attractive girls. Being pretty was very difficult, a very difficult responsibility. Oh, Denise, you've lost me there now. Sorry, yes. what? <laughs> Can't fucking relate to that. The burden of your great beauty, Denise. Oh, oh boo no. fucking who. Sorry, now get out of here, Denise. <laughs> but then Mike says, uh... If you had entered it, I bet you would have won hands down. And Denise, of course, is delighted. And then Ginny just drops her spoon on her dish and is like, oh, I think we better go now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, getting late. Yeah. Fuck this. So she goes to the loo and when she's gone, Denise reveals something to Mike, which does not make him happy. Oh, God. Yeah, she says, look, because apparently, yeah, back when they met at first, uh, he had asked if she had a boyfriend. Maybe that's why she you know, was a bit different with him uh, than he expected. Uh, so she says, look, uh, the fact is, at the time I did, but after I met you, I realised the relationship wasn't going anywhere. Ooh. And Mike kind of clears his throat and he's like, oh, what do you mean? So Denise, as Ginny, reveals that she actually broke up with her boyfriend because of Mike. Uh, and Mike <gasps> is just like, oh God, you shouldn't have. But she kind of doesn't really read the room here at all. And she's like, I'm glad I did. Uh, and uh, he's kind of trying to point out that they've literally only met, they had only met once and then she broke yeah. up with the boyfriend um but Denise is like no you know I had to be honest don't worry about it I have a good feeling about us uh and Mike is clearly quite uh nervous and awkward having learned this uh and she could just see that like his he's like swallowing nervously <laughs> but she's like oh he's so cute whereas uh-huh. Mike is clearly fucking freaking out <laughs> so uh just as Ginny comes back um she Denise suggests lunch to Mike at the Box Tree Cafe on Saturday and he's like um uh, uh, yeah okay uh because she's very much put him on the spot and after they leave Denise waxes lyrical about how adorable Mike is and Ginny sadly agrees oh so on Thursday, Liz arrives early at school. First of all, she leaves a copy of her article in Mr. Collins' classroom and then she goes to the Oracle office. And she is really nervous, but um, she knows she's doing the right thing. So she hands Penny and Olivia her article and it's called When We Are Afraid to Speak. And I have to say, it's really good. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. It's, you know, you, you never expect it, but, <laughs> but here we are. Fucking um, hell. 
Yeah, so the article compares censorship uh, to the pressure society puts on women and girls not to make a fuss. So I guess the article has now kind of pivoted somewhat from the kind of harassment information kind of article that it was meant to be. Uh, But yeah, she kind of points out how... um, yeah, the, the research on the subject had made one thing clear. Girls were usually told by friends and relatives not to report incidents of sexual harassment. It could only lead to embarrassment. And all too often, girls were afraid that they would be accused of leading the man on. And again, it's all very fucking straightforward and truthful yeah. and still relevant. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it is good. Like, again, I'm shocked as, as much as you yeah. are. Yes. <laughs> Because she says that, uh, sadly, that fear often arose from hints dropped by people in authority, like structural power, Liz. And the consequences were tragic. Girls were shared silent. Oh, my God. And she says that, you know, it's really important to talk about subjects people want to sweep under the carpet. And the article is only partly about teachers coming out to students. She's been careful uh, to use other examples of power play tricks of abuse and and gives information about... um, where to go for help. But we're told the main thrust of the article was the point that when we're afraid to speak, our rights and privileges wither away. And uh, the others are rightly impressed. But Penny says the administration will never let them print it. And Liz, uh, when Liz says they should just go ahead, uh, Penny has some news. Yeah, so it turns out that she got a note uh, from old Chrome Dome's office that apparently they're going to be checking the galleys uh, before the article goes to print for the next couple of weeks. And Liz is really kind of freaked out by this. She's like, God, it's like we're being watched. And uh, Penny basically suggests that Chrome Dome is a fascist, uh, which is hilarious. And says, you know, if I I wanted to be really paranoid, I'd say we shouldn't talk in here because the office may be bugged. (laughs) And Olivia starts to say, it's like, totalitarianism Penny supplied sarcastically funny but that's the word that springs to mind <laughs> and uh, says I know the school is a right of responsibility to make sure we don't print anything inflammatory but Liz your article presents a serious responsible and sound argument and before they can discuss it further Mr Collins enters and he's looking grim oh my god <laughs> so of course Liz is like oh, oh shit. attention so tense because she's like she knew that she wouldn't be able to feel the same way about her mentor if he didn't take her side now and I was genuinely like shit man which way is this gonna go I know Uh, I said you and me both Liz (laughs) so Penny says you know what do you think and (gasps) thankfully Mr Collins smiled at Elizabeth and in that moment she knew he would back her and I was so relieved because they really were setting this up like it genuinely could have gone either way and the stress of it lads oh my god Seriously? Oh. He says if he had to grade it, he'd have to make up a new grade above A plus. But for once, you know, when people usually praise Liz's writing, we're just like, oh for fuck's sake, would you fuck off? But in fairness, it is deserved this time because it does seem like a very responsible and well thought out argument that she's put out. And then Mr. Khan says, I've been a victim myself, but I've been exonerated. I do believe in justice, and I do believe if you're innocent, people will know it and ultimately the truth will come out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't always the case, historically speaking. God knows. I mean, Irish people are aware of this. Mm -hmm. uh, That there's not um, that there are miscarriages of justice, but you know, in the in in terms of Mr. Collins being able to remove himself from uh, the situation, I am very impressed. And uh, he says that yeah, there's obviously yes, there could be a risk of copycat, you know. but he says that you can't let that fear stop you from reporting the news and um you know the that basically mr cooper is afraid that um 
you know, false accusations might be made. And and he does say not that they necessarily be made consciously or maliciously, but that, you know, mm. this could set something off. But Mr. Collins knows that that's a very small chance and they uh, need to hold uh, the principles of a free press sacred. Yeah, well, there you go. Like, my God, what a relief, though, that he came around. <laughs> I know. He says we can't be held accountable for what someone does or thinks after reading the information we print, but that he knows that they're going to have a fight uh, with Mr. Cooper and the school board, but he's on their side. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, thankfully, he's going to back them up. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Liz says, look, she's only reporting what's happened. Uh, and he says, yeah, absolutely. But he also points out, like, you better be absolutely 150% sure about doing this because there will be trouble if we go ahead with this. Yeah. Um, so then she kind of wonders if he's going to get in trouble for approving <gasps> the article. So Mr. Collins shook his head. I don't know. Maybe. But I've asked you to be serious journalists. And if you're willing to take the heat, the least I can do is share that heat with you. Hooray! No. And then he says, maybe I shouldn't to- have told Mr. Cooper about your intentions when I did. I think I sh- now I should have waited to see your finished article. Penny says, Mr. Collins, you're the best. <laughs> and thank God we can we can stand by him. He's, he's putting his personal experience aside. He's uh, acknowledging that harassment is real and important and that mm. they can't let fear of false accusations stop them from you know encouraging yes. them to stay forward. So Mr. Collins, and he's and he's admitted he was wrong to yeah. dob them in. So fair fucks, Mr. Collins. Fair play, yeah. That's that's uh, quite the relief, and yeah, in fairness to him, yeah, he's he's he came good, thankfully. So Ginny uh, decides that um, she's she's got you know she's learned that she can be herself around somebody she's intimidated by initially, Mike, and she has to like learn from this and be aware that she can sort of transfer that ease to her other social interactions. And when Amy approaches her and says that she has to go to the dentist, so can. Um, Ginny take her shift to Project mm-hmm. Youth. Um, she's initially intimidated because she's always scared of the popular girls. But Amy just goes, "Oh, you're a pal, thanks." And Ginny's like, "Oh my god, that was just fine. Like, yeah, <laughs> why am I so nervous about with these people?" Yeah, she kind of realizes there's no reason to be so tense every time someone like popular or outgoing speaks to her. And she's like, she had to get used to the fact that it was all in her head. Nobody yeah. actually treated her like a second class citizen. Hmm. So she kind of realizes, yeah, it's 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 her own doing really that kind of keeps her apart from everyone except Denise. Yes. So when she arrives at Project Youth, she's worried that the others will be like, oh shit, it's not Amy, it's this loser. But they're delighted <laughs> to see her and they're really grateful to her for helping out. <laughs> 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 that is literally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean really she has a low opinion of the Sweet Valley and so in fairness I mean who can blame her they're extremely shallow do you know they do not have the best track record when it comes to treating people with any kind of reasonable normality but yes. yeah uh, she's Quite, she kind of, yeah, she kind of realizes. Yeah, look, it's fine. I can start opening up to people and taking risks, and everything will be fine because people right. aren't actually as terrible as I've made them out to be in my oh head. My well, sometimes anyway. But yeah. um, yeah. So she kind of realizes. Look, maybe, maybe I can even untangle the knots in this whole Mike <gasps> Denise Ginny mix up. Uh, she says maybe Denise would realize Mike isn't the boy from for her, and Mike and I can start from scratch. So, um, yeah, because she just keeps thinking about how much fun she had with Mike uh, when she gate crashed the date and just how easy it was to chat to him and how, how herself she was. So yes. maybe there's hope yet. There is. Uh, so, yeah, she takes a call. It's obviously Shelley Novak. We don't have to go into all the details, but it's a tall girl who's worried her boyfriend is, thinks she's too tall uh, and says her name is Shelley. I mean, give a fake name, Shelley. Everyone's going to remember that is. 
Sweet Valley is a small town. Yes. Um, so Ginny tells her to just believe in her own worth. And, you know, her boyfriend says that he loves her. So just trust him. And Ginny knows that she should take her own advice and believe in her own charms. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's she's kind of growing in confidence, basically. But then who should ring? But Mike. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, he says, yeah, my name is Mike. I need to talk. So now Ooh. she's kind of like, oh, God, she's just she's just not ready to talk to him yet. Can't face it. Uh, Especially as it's else. not her night. So he, this is he it, doesn't yeah. think that he's ringing her. Yeah. So she uh, she realizes she can't she can't keep pretending to be two people at once. Not now. She was still too busy trying to be the real Ginny. So she's had this whole kind of breakthrough and now has to take a call from Mike and kind of realizes that he's ringing, expecting to be talking to somebody else. So yeah yes uh so of course she lowers her voice to disguise it (laughs) (laughs) like can i run something by you mike asked i'm in kind of a weird jam it's like sure go ahead she said and it's like he's strangled (laughs) it's the strangled tone for me i love it So yeah, he says, I met a girl. Well, not exactly met at first. I can't really explain how. It was sort of like a pen pal type situation. So he says, basically, they had amazing chats on the phone and then they met, but he just didn't have a good time with her. But because it was his idea to meet her and he feels she forced, he forced her into it. And now he feels like the worst kind of pig, especially as he knows that she's suddenly really into him and she's dubbed her boyfriend, but he just doesn't feel the spark. Oh. And... And yet he can't abandon her now. Like, he's a decent guy. He actually is, in fairness to him. Yeah, because he he says, look, she was really wonderful to me before I met her and helped me get through some really hard stuff. And I feel like I owe her something. So, of course, Ginny's kind of trying to come at this now from, you know, wanting to protect her friend. But and knowing now that Mike isn't actually into Denise at all. Uh, so it's it's just getting messier and messier now at this stage. It really is. And uh, then he reveals more news that he's met somebody else oh my god yeah it says i've met this other girl and now Ginny's just like oh man this is terrible she's like this is bad enough as it is and now she has to listen about his newest love interest Uh, so mike goes on to say she's pretty not the way the first girl is but there's something about her uh so he says you know she's funny and she's smart and she's really fun to be with and everything i was hoping the first girl would be uh (gasps) so Ginny is just like oh man it's too late too late i've completely blown my chance uh by the way it never dawns on her who she's talking about oh look i know it's it's so clear he's talking about Ginny but anyway yeah she's just you know you need to have the the mix up of misunderstandings or it's just yeah. not teen drama is it <laughs> yes and actually her it's actually really sweet because she is she has to close her eyes it hurts so much when she's Aww. talking to him and she's That's trying it. not to cry and, oh Ginny uh, he's like oh this new girl I met I think we'd really have a chance if I were free but I owe the first girl something don't I um, so she agrees and says if he has to tell the first girl the truth and she's like oh but I feel terrible and she says that well you didn't do anything wrong which is true hmm. and he hangs up and you know how we feel about people <laughs> whispering things on their own but I have to say that when Ginny whispers goodbye <laughs> I can forgive her because I actually feel so bad for her Oh, I know. <laughs> but it does still just have that lovely, ridiculous drama to it as well that we just fucking love. It's delicious. <laughs> 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 
Stunning. Love it. Well, we cut to the Sweet Valley High changing room where Jess is getting ready for cheering and she's uh, unhappy with the state of her sneakers. The baby comes in, she's basically all for tits on Novocaine from the dentist. <laughs> basically, yeah. She's having a great time. <laughs> so uh, they remind Jessica of her old love for Jay uh, because they tell her that she he's single now. She's <laughs> more into worrying about replacing her runners. And then Annie says she saw something the other night when she uh, had to pull her car into the Lucky Duck parking lot. <laughs> yeah, she saw Denise and Ginny with this really cute guy in there, apparently. Oh. And uh, Jean was like, how do you know he was with Denise? And Jessica rolls her eyes oh. and says, he wouldn't have been there with Ginny. Come on, let's get out of here. Oh. So like, it's, again, like, yeah, Ginny isn't completely wrong to be wary of certain popular <laughs> girls because they are just full on bitches. Uh, oh God, yeah. So, uh, so the they're not going unnoticed anyway. Denise and Ginny mm. with their carry on. <laughs> yes. So uh, they head out to to cheer away, uh, but Jessica is still more annoyed about her lack of sneaker money. Apparently, she only has twenty bucks left of all the money she made from being on the soap. She's yeah, well, she had to repay her parents for all the clothes she oh, charged the credit account. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, that was probably hefty enough. <laughs> and there was the Jeep too. True. So, uh, yeah, she's annoyed that she's always short on funds and she wants to do something about it. And uh, if you haven't guessed that this is the setup for the next book, you have not read as many of these books as we have. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> so, meanwhile, Denise is, feels weird about she's going to be missing the big basketball match tomorrow. Do you feel that she actually misses Jay but she tells herself that Mike is much more thoughtful and much nicer and everything's you know mm. everything's great with Mike yes um, so Ginny uh, wings and she's clearly been avoiding Denise in school because she hasn't wanted to you know basically have to look at her look her in the eye while yes. knowing that Mike is going to dump her um, so she she sort of starts probing Denise about the state of her and Mike yeah, she kind of says, look, you know, Mike's Mike's a really nice guy, but I just wondered, are you sure he's really your type? And Denise mm. kind of laughs it off and she's like, oh, of course he is. Um, and then Jenny's like, yeah, but like, do you really have that much in common? Um, so Denise is kind of like, you know, I'm I'm mad about him. Are you trying to tell me something? Um, so, yeah, Denise kind of suddenly wonders if maybe Ginny is quite disappointed with how things have turned out and, you know, mm. realize, you know, it was Ginny who was the one who who started the friendship with Mike. Um but she had, you know, told Ginny if, if there was an issue here or she didn't want her to go out with him, you know, to yeah. tell her. And he had always said no and insisted that it was fine. So, like, yeah, it was a breakdown of communication for sure on uh, on Ginny's end. But, um, yeah, Denise is like, look, you'll find someone. I know you will. Because uh, she just figures she's just feeling a bit insecure again. And says, yeah. you know, you'll meet someone as wonderful as Mike. Don't worry. Oh. Even though that's not what she's getting at at all. <laughs> no, it really, really isn't. Um, but uh, D- Ginny is... Uh, is is just a bit, is just basically awkward throughout, but Denise doesn't notice because she's so happy about the fact she's going to uh, meet Mike for their mm. romantic lunch at the Box Tree Cafe. That's it. So on Friday afternoon, Penny comes in with the unproofed galleys of the uh, issue of the Oracle, uh, including Liz's essays, and then Mister Collins comes in, but he's followed by Mister Cooper. <gasps> oh no, he's not happy. <laughs> Of course he's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he comes in, like shuts the door and shakes his head. And he's like, I saw oh. the galleys. And I have to say, I'm very surprised at Mr. Collins too. Oh. Uh, so Liz kind of breaks in and says, look, it was my idea. We really believe in this essay. Uh, and he's like, oh, yes, clearly 
uh, strongly enough to betray the trust I had in both of you. Uh, <gasps> and Liz is like, you know, did you read it? And Cooper is like, that's hardly the point, he said with a trace uh-uh. of indignation. So he oh, clearly sorry. fucking hasn't, like, no, but is still hasn't. just going to shut this down completely. Um, yes. So Mr. Collins tries to fight their corner and says, you know, they they have responsibilities as journalists and it has outweighed the school's concerns. But, uh, but Cooper is just like, nope, there's very serious allegations in this article. So again, he definitely hasn't read yeah. it because there's no fucking allegations. Um, and he's just so paranoid about a backlash from parents yeah. and how, how bad it could be for the school. Uh, and Penny's like, I don't know if anyone besides the students even reads our paper <laughs> to tell you the truth. I just but love again, it. It's so funny. But yeah, Cooper is just not having it. He's like, no, all it takes is one parent to pick it up uh, and seeing the story. Yeah, and causing a whole thing about it. And apparently some of our school policies and activities have already come under fire from some parent groups who think the administration is much too liberal and permissive with the students here. And my notes at that stage were just like, are they wrong though? <laughs> Mine says, I mean, maybe they have a point. To be fair, what's the crack with the curriculum, lads? Because it makes no sense. It is mostly marine biology and softball from what we can make out. <laughs> and barbecues and fairs and oh all my sorts. god amazing uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes Cooper says that there are lots of people who believe the school has no role in these kinds of family issues oh very so, weird phrasing there yeah. from Cooper yeah. so we can't let them print it in the paper and they'll have to just get rid of it and he needs yeah. and sad Mr. Collins says look I just I can't let you know we've, you've tr- we've all tried but mm-hmm. now Mr. Cooper has explicitly forbidden us i can't as a staff member like encourage you to yeah to do this so you know we just have to let it go and um liz thinks her practical side to mr collins was right they tried and they'd lost it was time to move on but the emotional side of her could not take mr collins advice she could not let it go oh <gasps> and you can understand that right and actually before we end up finishing this book entirely and ending the episode we should probably do our little ad shouldn't we <laughs> oh Yes, we should, because you might remember that we are proud members of the Headstuff podcast stable. And of course, we do like to uh, to tell you a little bit about um, the other podcast in the in the stable. And uh, that's what we are going to do right now, because. Uh, oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this week, uh, yeah, we we are recommending that you check out Talking Ted, which is a podcast by Joe Rooney and Patrick McDonnell, who are possibly better known as Father Damo and Owen McLove from Father Ted. Uh, So even 25 years later, they're still recognised today for playing those characters. Uh, So each episode of Talking Ted explores the series with a glimpse behind the scenes with contributors from the show sharing their memories and stories uh, into what made Father Ted the iconic sitcom it has become. So they get special guests like Ardell O'Hanlon, Pat Short, John Kenny, Arthur Matthews, who incidentally wrote the entire thing by himself. Isn't that great? Isn't it? Uh, It's an amazing piece of work. Fair play to them for one man pulling all that yeah, off great job right there fair play to you yeah. <laughs> well done uh yeah and he gets in actors uh, they chat to actors such as uh the people who played sister assumpta uh mary from john and mary father stone todd unctuous i love the todd oh, unctuous i have to say yes. uh dick Byrne, and manny manny more like it it's covering all the bases there so do check it out hello i'm joe rooney and i'm patrick mcdonald And we have a show called Talking Ted, which is a show about the memories, stories and insights into what has made Father Ted the egg sandwich of Irish TV shows. Yeah, we'll be talking through all the episodes and interviewing people who are on the show. And uh, reminiscing. I think we'll reminisce quite a lot. There's a lot of reminiscing. 
I remember that time, but not so much this time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the old days, we used to reminisce a lot as well. You can find Talking Ted on the platform that you're listening to now because we are a podcast just like this podcast. So don't forget to uh, look us up. It's absolutely brilliant and it's out now. So listen. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where Liz is uh, all sad at home in the Castletel Wakefield because um, she basically says there's an issue with the story she wrote. And Jessica says, oh, I know, it's that sex <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> Me? Literally <laughs> chokes at his dinner. It's so good. Oh, God. Yeah. Mr. Wakefield choked on a mouthful of food. What sex thing he asked when he could speak? (laughs) So Liz explains, and the parents are really supportive. um, And then Jessica has an idea. Put out their own paper. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yes. I love this. Like, I can't believe I'm so excited about a a story about Liz's journalism, to be honest. Oh, my God. Me too. This this is where we have found ourselves. Um, Yeah. So Jess is like, look, you want people to read your story, so let them read it. Um, She's like, it's a totally cool idea. It's revolutionary, counterculture, underground kind of thing. (laughs) So, yeah. And uh, Ned offers the use of the Xerox machine in, uh, in his office. And Liz kind of doesn't really know what the right thing to do is and kind of thinks, God, if she did put out a renegade paper, she could end up in hot water. Um, says, you know, she's had to make many sacrifices for her fledgling career. <laughs> but, oh, um, but this oh, could have yeah. more... The, the sacrifices <laughs> for the fledgling career. One of them is like, she'd even acted in a soap opera. Oh, oh who fucking no. who? Yeah, and she also wrote for the fucking LA Times about it. So yes. like, get over it, Liz. But, uh, but she does kind of realise that this could have more, more serious consequences than anything else she had ever risked. <laughs> Like being on telly. Oh but, my um, God. but yes, she kind of then realizes look, you know, the, the title of the essay is When We Are Afraid to Speak. And she oh. says that she didn't speak out now just because she was afraid of getting into trouble. What was the point in wanting to be a writer at all? <gasps> Hurrah! Jessica <laughs> says she'll help pass out this underground publication. And uh, <laughs> this is touched by her support. Oh. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I wrote my master's thesis on the counterculture underground press in London in the 60s and this is actually kind of in the spirit of it so I, I mean who knew I never would have thought, thought we'd have Liz Wakefield putting out a counterculture newspaper but here we are <laughs> well meanwhile Denise and Ginny have arrived at the at, uh, the Dairy Burger there's a match on of course uh, the basketball match is on that night and <laughs> of course um, Ginny it's with Big Mesa and Denise is like oh I wonder if Mike is there and and Ginny's like well Jay definitely is there because he's playing in it and Mike's uh, or Ginny sorry I'm going through all the names Denise says Mike and I are having lunch at the box tree don't you love it there it's so romantic poor Ginny feels sick and says oh no I've never been there under romantic conditions oh (laughs) Ginny so Denise continues to rave about Mike and Ginny finally asks like what do you talk about (laughs) like I just (laughs) I mean I mean, and it is fair because she was there on a date with them and like her and Mike were getting on like a fucking house on fire, whereas he and Denise were kind of stilted with each other. And it was like Denise, you know, doesn't really know what to say to him. So it's a fair question. Yeah. She's seen their dynamic or lack Mm. thereof. Yes. Denise asks bluntly if she likes Mike and uh, Ginny's like, no, 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 no. And Denise is like, "Mm, okay. Um, But Ginny feels that one of the, you know, yes, she obviously, she does like Mike, but also she's really sad that Denise is setting herself up for a terrible Yes, she's not, she's walking into this not knowing what's coming. Yeah. Mm. So the next day she prepares, Denise prepares for her lunch date and she does admit to herself that she doesn't have the kind of sassy banter with Mike that Ginny does, but... Mm. 
she's sure that all is going to be well when she tells them the truth because that's what she wants to do today. She's going to reveal who she really is. And when they arrive, she just falls all over him and says, did you go to the game last night? And they're just like, no, on, let's make it a rule to go to any Sweet Valley Big Mesa game together. It'll be fun. And he's like, oh, oh maybe? Okay. And then she nearly gives herself away unintentionally. Oh, God. Yeah, because Mike trying to tra- change the subject is just like, oh, where's our waitress? Uh, and Denise then says, oh, my dad says there's never a waitress when you need one. And Mike is kind of puzzled by this because uh, Ginny had told Mike previously about her dad dying when she was quite young. Oh. So he's kind of like, wait, what? I thought your father died. And Denise is like, oh, yeah, he did. I meant my stepfather. I call him dad. Uh, oh. And it's kind of, yeah, she's, she knows that wasn't the best of recoveries, but also Mike seems a bit preoccupied. Yeah. So he, it's like, yeah, he accepted the explanation, but she knows he's not really paying attention so she's now just trying to think of something to say to him and kind of runs through the interests that she knows he has but she's yeah. like oh god this is kind of getting awkward now and she's like hmm, why don't we go to the beach tomorrow do you surf and Mike is like no <laughs> so it's just like oh god this is already yeah. not going great <laughs> well finally he just rips off the plaster and says mm. look I'll never forget the help you gave me and I'm really grateful but I don't think it's enough to base a relationship on you know, I just don't think this is going anywhere. And Denise is surprised by her own reaction. Yeah, she's kind of relieved and realises that it had actually been kind of a struggle trying to be somebody else the whole time and trying to keep all the oh. facts right in her head. And there was there was obviously no way to keep it up forever. Like there was never going to be a... <laughs> like they'd have to come clean at some point. Yeah. Um, so she realises that uh, she'd never dated boys like Mike before because she wasn't very comfortable with them. Aww. So I guess she was just kind of in over her head and didn't really know what to say to him and, yeah. you know, just kind of got away from her a little bit. So it turns out, it is kind of funny though that she was so like smitten and head over heels to just do a sudden 180 and be like, oh, actually, yeah, no, I'm good. That's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so she's, uh, she's sort of real, she's cool with it and she's tempted to tell him the truth, but she thinks that if Ginny had really been interested in then these embarrassing explanations would have been worth it but mm. you know but there's no point now so she's just gonna let it rest and they have a nice farewell uh lunch yes so meanwhile todd collects liz from her photocopying session and uh they head to the box tree for lunch and as they go in who should they see well there's denise walking out with a tall attractive boy that liz has never seen before so of course liz is like hey denise Denise froze. Uh, say hi to Ginny for me, Liz added. Oh. And she and went inside. So she literally just dropped that uh, grenade and kept walking. <laughs> yeah. So Denise has to explain all and yeah. says, look, Ginny just doesn't think she's uh, very attractive. And Mike is literally like, what the fuck? She's very attractive. <laughs> and Denise realises that Mike... Uh, is smitten by Ginny and then we're told she began to smile an impish Cupid-like smile (laughs) (laughs) so she scoots close to Mike and tucks her hand in his arm and says Mike I have an idea I mean Uh to be fair Mike took this way better than I thought he would yes he was very cool with this whole situation because Ginny has been lying to him from the start True. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of expected the usual Sweet Valley Boy thing where he'd be really angry and would then cool off and come round. But straight away he was just like, but Ginny's amazing. I really like her. Uh, So, yeah, he's just kind of amazed that she was that insecure that she didn't want to meet him herself. So he's just like, oh, yeah, okay, no, this is fine. (laughs) We are Team Mike, I think it's fair to say. I think we are. Yeah. It's also the bar is extremely low for Sweet Valley Boys. But, you know, he he is a good guy, it seems like. He is. He's funny. He's he's principled he's hmm. not ashamed to be vulnerable so you know you he's, uh, he's a decent yeah. guy okay. 
So on Monday morning, Liz and Jess arrive at the school early, laden down with these free sheets. And uh, Todd Enid, uh, John Pfeiffer, yeah. Alan <laughs> Walters has been seen in a while, <laughs> Olivia, and uh, I guess the rest of the Oracle staffers, unnamed. Um, <laughs> so they're all really supportive of what she's doing. And um, Liz has added a preface to the article explaining Mr. Cooper's objections so people know why they're handing this out today. Mm-hmm. And they basically distribute them all over the school. They're taping them on bathroom mirrors. It's a sensation. It's great. I fucking love this. Yeah. Like, it's just so unusual for Sweet Valley Night to have anything cool happening. Yes! <laughs> yes! And this is great. Like, they've gone into everybody's locker. So, yeah, the school is plastered uh, in in this article. Oh. Uh, and, and it is a sensation. Like, it's brilliant. Everyone's, like, telling Liz it's a great article. Great that she put it out in spite of Chrome Dome. Um, everyone's real impressed. And, yeah, uh, yeah Jessica <laughs> says tells her that everyone thinks it's incredible. Everyone's saying they never knew you were such a radical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, enjoy it while you can, sweet valiance. Oh, Even Ginny approaches and saying how great the article is because she's always tried to be honest, um, but recently she hasn't been speaking her mind, and mm. now she, you know, now she's got the courage to do it. She's going to li- speak her truth. So as the morning goes on, because uh, the lessons haven't started yet, um, everybody's, you know like congratulating Liz uh, as we said and Penny tells her the whole school is behind her but then the home bell uh, homeroom bell rings and Mr Collins approaches and says we're wanted mm-hmm. so uh, Liz asks because obviously they didn't tell him about this and says are you mad at us Mr Collins and he says no I'm not I'm proud of you actually you've probably <gasps> got more guts than I do nobody likes admitting that but that doesn't make me mad at you Oh. Bravo, Mr. Collins. Oh, I'm so glad you came round. Oh, my God. Did. <laughs> so the trio enter Chrome Dome's office, uh, Liz, Penny and Mr. Collins. And uh, Mr. Uh, Co- Cooper says, whose idea was this? This unauthorised publication. Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins says, it was the decision of the Oracle staff, but I support them completely. And then Liz has a mad <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh good yes for the first time in her life she had been called to the principal's office to be reprimanded <gasps> it was a hard lesson in suffering for her convictions and she was afraid uh, uh, the lesson was going to get even uh, harder uh, yeah all right Sophie Shaw like stop <laughs> pretending you're like you're could be sent to a, a Nazi prison camp to be or a prison to be executed. Like you've been called to the principal's office to be reprimanded. This is I know not yes. the toughest thing anybody's ever done. Convictions, <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, this as well. You told you know you you may have said uh, we could print it, but as Penny says, this is the uh, this isn't the oracle. It's our it's something else. And when Mister Cooper expresses his disappointment, this says. You've told me many times that I'm a credit to this school. <laughs> Come on, Cooper, you know I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know I would never deliberately do anything to hurt Sweet Valley High. I mean, literally every single essay she's ever won a competition for has been all about how great oh it is. God. So, yeah, she's true. fair yeah. enough. <laughs> so um, she says that she has protected the school from being hurt in this by letting this uh, essay row wild and free. And Mr. Cooper says, are you suggesting my decision was hurtful to the school? Elizabeth says, yes. And uh, then Chrome Dome looks out the window and says, okay. And they're like, what the fuck? What? Uh, and he's like, okay, I respect you both. Uh, you've taken the heat for your convictions. But like, there's been, there's been no heat. Like, it's... <laughs> 
this is nothing because he does kind of like grill Liz a little bit and says, you know, did you think your record would get you out of trouble and you'd get off easily just because I've trusted you in the past? And she's like, no, I'm prepared to take the consequences. So he's kind of obviously impressed by her belief in the article that she'll you know, go through with whatever consequences it'll bring. And uh, yeah, so he's just like, yeah, okay, grand, never mind. (laughs) He does tell them that they, like, he's glad that somebody knows what their constitutional rights are because basically the others wouldn't know them if they, their constitutional rights if they hit them in the face. Oh, wow. Again, now that's an indictment of your fucking school there, Cooper. Like, so maybe you've got other things to be focusing on right now. <laughs> maybe ease off of the softball games and the pep <laughs> More actual classes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he does say in the future, let's formulate a school policy about stories and controversial subjects. But uh, Penny says, no, the policy is that the pa- school paper is run by the students and you either trust us or you don't. And uh, Liz is like, fucking hell, Penny, that's that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Yeah. Cooper, Mr. Cooper literally goes okay okay and throws up his hands oh my god yeah he's like you win I do trust you and Penny's like we'll never abuse that trust I promise and it's like yeah okay that's grand but like Penny is okay maybe she's not a senior but like in three years time what's the plan then when it's other students running it but then you know it's also Sweet Valley, yeah. so they're never leaving it's fine yeah, exactly don't worry about that <laughs> why are you talking about Karen come on Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> so, yeah, they leave. They're triumphant. Mr. Collins shakes their hands and says, good work, girls. Keep it up. And they think it was all over and they had won. Yeah. And they have. Well done. Yeah. Can't believe they I'm have. saying this. I know. It's so uh, against our usual <laughs> reaction to things that Liz does, particularly yeah. when it comes to writing. But this was cool as hell. And I'm yes. so glad she put out her kind of renegade free sheet. It was great. Agreed. So on Monday, Ginny arrives at Project Youth all worried because Denise has basically been avoiding the subject of her and Mike, what happened on their date. Mm. So she's wondering, you know, what the hell happened. Yeah. Um, But uh, she answers a call from Project the Project Youth line and it's Mike. And he asks if she's the same girl he talked to about his dilemma. Yes, with the the girl with the weird deep voice. (laughs) 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 Ginny has to put on her third identity now. And uh, yeah, and and she's like, yes, yes, it's it's still me. And he's like, oh, great. I wanted to tell you what happened. So, of course, Ginny's like, fuck me. The last thing I want to hear about now is how into this new girl he is. Um, So she's like, "Okay, go ahead. So he says, you know, I followed your advice. I had a date with the first girl on Saturday and I broke up with her. So Ginny's like, ah, okay, because she, I suppose, hadn't known up until that point whether he had gone through with it or what actually happened because as you say Denise has been kind of dodging the subject um so she realizes maybe she just didn't want to discuss it with her because she was so crushed and upset but um yeah she asks you know how how did that first girl take it and and Mike is like oh you know not not as badly as I thought uh it was a real load off my mind and you know just think if I hadn't told her how I really felt we'd both be stuck in a relationship that didn't work for either of us so I think Denise kind of surprised by the news that Denise took it well yeah. Because, you know, as far as she was concerned, Denise was absolutely smitten with them. But now she realises maybe it was just like a, a a bright, brief flame instead of a steady mm. fire. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, then he says that he can, now we can ask the other girl out with a clear conscience. And mm. Ginny is heartbroken. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to ask her to go out with me tonight. And she's basically silent with misery. Because he's like, oh, she's so great. She's funny. She's smart. She's really pretty. Like, uh, she's just amazing. And Ginny just can't take it anymore. And she's like, okay, well, good luck. Bye. She <laughs> runs away crying. She literally runs out into the corridor. And I, I genuinely loved this moment. This is like proper great rom-com. Uh, do you know, See? it actually is. Yeah, because she's so... 
upset, like her eyes are closed and she's leaning against the wall, hearing the memory of Mike's voice in her mind. So where should we go tonight? Mike asked. I don't know, Ginny said with a sigh. Don't ask me. And then she kind of opens her eyes and spins around because it is Mike and it wasn't in her head and he's right there. <laughs> a mischievous grin on his face. It's so fucking cute. Oh, it's adorable. <laughs> and she's like, what? And he says, oh, I was calling from over there and he nods towards the payphone and he reveals all. And uh, he says... Um, he says that when she said that she was there last Thursday, I figured out it was you I talked to. And that says, I was describing you, you dope. You're the new girl. Oh. And she says, but but you said she was really pretty. And Mike's like, that's right. I did. And it's <laughs> so cute. I'm sorry. I cannot believe I'm saying this. I, I know. <laughs> this book was great. It was full of surprises, honestly. And again, from the you know point of view of confidentiality and actually working at Teen Hotline, all of oh. this is absolutely horrendous behaviour by everybody. But oh in the context God. of Sweet Valley High, this is fucking cute as hell and I love it. Oh, it's adorable. <laughs> it's a rom-com delight. It is. And Mike reveals that Denise you know, helped him arrange all this and uh, they decide to go on their first date is a lucky duck it's their place now <laughs> away so he leaves and uh, she has to get back to work and she screams with joy and when Kathy showing some professionalism comes out <laughs> to see what's wrong uh, Ginny says oh it's nothing but I was just thinking this hotline really lives up to its name <laughs> <laughs> oh God, again it's not supposed to Jenny no, but I'm happy for you yes, my notes just say it shouldn't yeah. <laughs> but still so we cut to the casa where Jessica tells Liz she saw Denise and Jay at the Dairy Burger that evening they're back together and uh-huh. uh, when um, Denise, when Liz tells parents about her triumph uh, Alice asks about uh, Mr Collins of course she does we might remember mm-hmm. that little moment Say a little date <laughs> So Liz says how great he was and said, when this whole thing started, he was pretty unsure about whether I should go ahead, but he backed me up completely. He's the best. (laughs) Mr. Wakefield nodded judiciously. He's that rare old fashioned thing. A good teacher. Oh, (laughs) just glad that we can still say Mr. Collins. Oh my God, what a relief. (laughs) So uh, they all praise Liz and Jessica thinks, well, Liz may be passionate about journalism, but all Jessica cares about right now is making money because there's (laughs) loads of things she wants to buy. Yeah, but she's got fuck all money uh, in her account. So yeah, there's apparently this address at Lisette's that she's put on layaway. Sam's birthday is coming up. She still wants to get new runners for her cheerleading um, uniform. So yeah, she she reckons she needs to come up with a plan and quick and blurts out at the table (gasps) that she's going to start a business. Oh, and they're like, "Uh, what sort of business? And... She's obviously has no idea. It's sort of a bit of a uh, of uh, going to the business factory, <laughs> doing the business. Yes, but she um, says no. She's going to keep it all. She's not telling them. She's going to keep it all a secret till she's worked out the details. And the others are looking at each other like, oh, okay. But uh, Jessica's annoyed by their skepticism and says, "I'm going to take a risk too, just like Liz did with her article. I'm going to start a business, and it'll be profitable. You'll see." <laughs> And what a note to end on. Oh, magnificent. Um, can you read us out, please? Will Jessica's newest big business scheme be a success or yet another disaster? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 88, Love Letters for Sale. I cannot remember a single thing about this book, but do you know what? We have just had proof that the role is continuing. They're still, you know, thrown out the bangers. So you my know, hopes are now high. 
we're still in a great old run of books. So yeah, oh. I, I feel like I feel like we're going to be okay for the next one for sure. Yeah. Oh well, of course we may be unpleasantly surprised this <laughs> time, but let's let's just see what happens. We're keeping we're open over, mind. We're overly confident now. That's what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, do we have any stats and outfits? Do you know? Yeah, not so much. Um, the blue green eyes and the blondness only got one mention apiece, which <gasps> is very low. Because I mean, I guess the twins weren't really the focus of this book, and you know, the Liz B plot was mostly about the writing and and her her article and stuff. Um, yeah. Then in terms of outfits, like it really was just Ginny uh, trying on an emerald green beret uh, against oh. her shiny red hair. Yeah. Or no, sorry, that was Denise. Oh, yeah, sorry. The She's <laughs> the redhead. And I still can't keep them straight in my head because the cover is misleading. Um, in fairness, they are doubling up on each other a lot. They are. They're trying to confuse us. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's, there really wasn't <laughs> much in the way of outfits at all. But again, I just enjoyed like Liz basically putting out a zine so much that I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's fine. I don't mind. Yeah. This was great. <laughs> True. Well, listeners, did you enjoy this book as much as we did? Were you pleasantly surprised? Did you have fond your memories of us than we did because our memories were apparently completely non-existent. Yeah, were you sitting there listening to us going, what are they talking about? This one's great. <laughs> well, you definitely had strong feelings about uh, Jessica against Bruce. <laughs> I mean... How could you not? <laughs> we weren't the only ones to see a similarity between them with uh, between uh, the cover stars and Danny and Sandy in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very reasonable comparison to make, I think. Yes. <laughs> Bobbins and Buttons pointed out that there's a mistake uh, because, and, and it's actually, this is an unforgivable mistake. Somebody should have picked this up. Jessica's diving off the top of the board at the community pool and a few pages later, she's scared of heights. Very true. Yeah, we didn't pick up on that either. <laughs> we were too distracted oh. by embroidery and leather jackets. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there was a lot to distract us. Uh, Pippi Ann Shirley, by the way, revealed that she hosted a teacher from Korea for three weeks one summer. So the teacher exchange is real. It does happen. Uh, although this sounds much more reasonable uh, oh, yeah. because the teacher yeah, lived in the house with them, attended workshops and stuff, uh, and they had a great time. But like it was a school board admin and other teachers doing the touring around. Super great. Not a student led thing. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> Yeah, said they had a fabulous time and the teacher cooked bulgogi for their uh, for uh, for the Canadian family. So um, sounds like an excellent scheme. A lot it more. does. That, that actually sounds useful. So yes. yeah, and much better organised. Yeah. <laughs> I did like this message from Laura Kate Diva. Look, <laughs> I understand that my 12-year-old self thought that Bruce Patman was ridiculously unattractive. But why does my 36-year-old self still think this? Hashtag help me. Hashtag once you go past, you never go <laughs> <laughs> it's that's you know it's fair though because like we know he's the worst but he's a sexy motherfucker what can you do oh, it's true it's true <laughs> um katie longson said the only plausible explanation for the teacher delegation visit was to present sweet valley high as a shining example of how not to run a school so mission accomplished chrome dome and crew Oh God, yes, I liked uh, Just a Flying Saucer's take on it, which was, is anyone convinced that, uh, oh yeah, that one person would know how to read a train timetable, which, very good point. But uh, also, bear with me on this. What if the exchange teachers are actually UN observers? <laughs> well, Neri Siren responded to that and said, did someone report Jessica's many crimes against her fellow students? No wonder Liz is so weirdly thrilled about their visit. She's the informant. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> By the way, a few people said that in the late 80s, uh, 
Um, well, a few, uh, and four before and four and four. And, so, a, and a banana. Ah, of course. <laughs> Which fours? Come on, Anna. Oh, my Anna. I should have thought. From one Anna to another, oh, you sorry. should recognize. Sorry, Anna Banana. <laughs> she said, in the late 80s, my sixth grade teacher was strangely obsessed with the Ittitarod dog sled race. So I think it was a, quote, thing. <laughs> well, there you go. That was our suspicion that it was just one of those things everybody was into for some reason. Like Garth Brooks in the 90s here. There was just a brief phase yes. where everybody was obsessed and then it went away again. Until yes. now, but you know. <laughs> a few people commented on Volkswagen uh, rabbits and saying, uh, Libby Hawker said, I drove a VW rabbit in high school and I can confirm that it is, indeed it is not, quote, the coolest of cars, to say, to say the least. And audio drama Pixie said, I drove a VW rabbit in high school. I'd be pleased to hear I once fit six passengers in it. <laughs> Bravo! Volkswagen, put that in an ad. Oh my God, or don't. But also I asked my dad about it because my dad is obsessed with cars and apparently it was just the Volkswagen Golf. Uh, Ah, Like the rabbit was like a different version of it. I think that was in America. So that's why we were confused by Mm. never hearing of the rabbit before because it was simply the Golf over here. And the Volkswagen Golf was a very like popular car here in the Mm, 80s. Uh, So I wouldn't have thought, I don't remember it being particularly sad or I guess nobody under the age of like 25 had a car here basically. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't judging people by their cars. Even if you had a driving (laughs) license, it was impressive enough. That'll do it. (laughs) Well, Maria Biblioteca, Teresa Biblioteca said (laughs) that she has an idea. She says that I've been whispering to myself under my breath in a very creepy manner. (laughs) Instead of actual SVH number 87, which we all know will be a real snooze fest, I mean, Denise who? I mean, sorry there, Maria Teresa, but, you know, that turned out to not be the case. It actually turned out to be good, yeah. However, (laughs) we have to go with this because she says, Mm. let's collectively write a fan fiction alt-universe number 87. Like maybe Chrome Dome Cooper, Spearhead's a Crusade, just her shut down, KZZP and all of its evil music. Maybe there will be, even be a guest appearance from Tipper Gore, very appropriate <laughs> from the time period. I didn't think that. And Jessica and Elizabeth will lead the opposition after Elizabeth scathing editorials and rebuking the censorship campaign. Oh my God. For television, Chrome Dome shuts down the Oracle. Oh my God. OMG. That's what Maria Teresa says. Mr. Collins makes an impassioned plea. She's put musical notes around his name. Makes an impassioned plea to reinstate the Oracle, but Chrome Dome will not budge. In response, Jessica gets all of the cheerleaders to cheer outside of Chrome Dome's house in the middle of the night. Rock and roll forever is their cry. To their surprise. <laughs> it just it keeps going. The twists and turns. I'm obsessed. <laughs> to their surprise, Chrome Dome's secretary, Rosemary, emerges from Chrome Dome's house, in curlers and a bathrobe, and promises to intercede on the teen's behalf. And why, Karen? Can you continue? Oh, my why God. does she Turn, promise? It turns out that when she's not taking his letters, or taking his letters, if you know what I mean, <laughs> Rosemary moonlights as a KZZP DJ. Wow! <laughs> Rosemary reveals this to Chrome Dome. He decides KZZP is just fine after all, and he decides to make an honest woman out of Rosemary, and they get married at the end of the book. And guess what music they play at the wedding reception? KZZP! Wow! Oh. Fuck me, that's incredible. I would 100% want to read this. This is a work of genius. Um, Oh my God, the twist kept coming. I'm I'm blown away by that one. It's so good. As am I. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, we also had a lot of people wondering about Bruce Jackets uh, or Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Jackets, Bruce Batman's jackets. I liked uh, KMB17's. I completely believe that Bruce has an embroidery guy on speed dial. Like, embroidery dude, I need another jacket size M immediately. Mr. Patman, it's 11 p.m. Look, if you didn't want to be on call 24 hours a day, you shouldn't have gotten into the leather jacket embroidery business. See? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh listeners, please keep sharing your thoughts with us and your fanfic because it's oh my god. hilarious. Um, it's better than what we're putting out for sure. <laughs> oh, seriously, I would collect all your uh your fan fiction. Um it's so good. Oh, uh, so um yeah, we we did. We always love hearing from you, and you know how to find us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at svhpodcast, where Karen does sterling work with the graphics. <laughs> uh, and if this isn't enough for you, uh, this, uh, this fortnightly trip through the halls <laughs> of Sweet Valley High, you can. Listen to us every single week and access our bonus series, Pi Beta Alpha, by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, so if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show and all this nonsense that we, <laughs> we are putting out for you. Um, yeah, so you can sign up for as little as five euro a month and that way you get access to all our bonus content and the bonus content for all the other shows on the network, of which there are many, uh, doing great stuff as well. And uh, yeah, so you get all our back episodes of Pi Beta Alpha, where we're going through the TV series episode by episode and having an absolute blast with it. An absolute blast. I mean, we've sadly we finished the Todd uh, joins a gang arc, but <laughs> it was astonishing from beginning to end. Um, oh my God. <laughs> even if you think, listeners, that you have no interest in the Sweet Valley TV show, I think if you come to it with fresh eyes and ears, you will be pleasantly surprised. And of course, you don't have to watch every episode. You can just hear our interpretations of them. But we do strongly recommend hitting YouTube and watching them as well, because uh, you, you just sometimes you just need to see Todd throwing an entire plate of chips across a diner. I mean, there's, just, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way to describe it accurately or do it justice until you've actually seen it with your own eyes. It's true. <laughs> Literally has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> So, Pi Beta Alpha Sisters, uh, we love you all and we will see you in the clubhouse next week. And um, there's a storyline that involves Enid and Todd getting a bit too close for comfort. Oh, God. But as we love TV, Enid, I'm not happy with this. But I'm, I'm worried. And actually, before we wrap up completely, I have been oh. meaning to do this for ages and I keep forgetting. Oh. So I want to say a huge thank you to Karen oh. Ranaletta, uh, who sent us a box of Sweet Valley University books, which is... <gasps> amazing and thank you so much Karen we really appreciate it and I've been meaning to give you a shout out and I keep forgetting because I'm an idiot <laughs> but uh, yeah we really appreciate it and you're brilliant thank you oh especially as I cannot find any of my Sweet Valley High University collections which were literally I was buying them like the day they came <laughs> out at the time they came out yeah. from college and it was like I would be checking Waterstones up Dawson Street <laughs> the next one you were yeah. committed and they're really hard to find now is the thing yeah. there's ones that we don't come across here that easily at all um oh. yeah and they're tricky to find online too so thank you so much karen much appreciated um so uh well we will see karen and all of you in two weeks time <laughs> when we find out where jessica hopes to earn a little cash Ooh. with some love <laughs> letters for sale <gasps> <laughs> 
see you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.